This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We got to put a best of on Drew. We're going to lose every station we have. A thing sucks. Who is your daddy and what does he do? End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. In of days, the judge made him of the world, my friend. If you don't read the newspaper, you're hunting. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day. All the way from the wastelands of California, my name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Oh, yes, live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. And joining me now is my first guest this evening, Liz McIntyre. How are you? Hey, Michael. I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Great. Great to hear. Oh, yes. And thank you for being here, by the way. Thanks for spending some time with uh, my audience here. Oh, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Can't think of a better better way to spend my Saturday right now. Perfect, perfect. And, of course, you are an award-winning investigative writer and a privacy activist. Of course, you and Dr. Catherine Albrick co-authored the bestseller Spy Chips, how major corporations and government plan to track your every purchase and watch your every move. That's scary. That's right. That is scary. It's scary stuff. It was actually pretty scary learning everything that we learned way back when. Now it's not quite as shocking as it was back then. Uh, but uh, we had some uh, thrills writing it and some threats, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a bumpy ride. It really must have been for you. But before we get into anything, could, could we talk a little bit about you, Liz? Could we talk a little bit about your background just for a moment here? Well, sure. Um, what do I say about myself? Uh, you pretty much have already revealed that I'm a writer. Right. Uh, I'm a writer. I'm an investigator, an investigative writer. Uh, I love mysteries and solving uh, problems and, and figuring out answers to questions that a lot of people maybe don't ask sometimes. And uh, some of those questions are about privacy, as you know. Uh, and what else should I say? Well, how, um, how'd, you, how'd you end up down this path here, Liz? That is an interesting question. Do we have time? We, we sure <laughs> do, of course. Let's do it. This is a pretty interesting story, actually. Um, how did I get to the place where I actually became a privacy activist and actually wrote the book Spy Chips with Dr. Catherine Albrecht, as you referenced? It happened a long time ago. Oh, gosh, it's probably been how many years ago? Oh, my gosh, it's been like 20 years ago I started all this. I was in a grocery store, and I was always one of those people who knew about tracking about how stores were trying to disadvantage consumers by figuring out everything about them to try to, to sell them more things. 
things like those store loyalty cards, which were so popular, you know, and still are somewhat popular. And so I was always careful in the grocery store when I bought things not to use one of those those loyalty cards mm. um, because I really didn't want to be tracked. And I was checking out one night, and I bought two cartons of silk soy milk, you know, soybean milk. Right. And, yeah, so and, – and I bought that pretty frequently, and I was checking out. And then at the end of the shopping trip – it was at a major grocery store. At the end of the shopping trip, I get those coupons, you know, the machine by the cash register that spits out those coupons. Oh, yeah. So I pay for my purchase. I get the receipt, and then I get these coupons. And I look at the coupon as I get it because, you know, I'm thinking, well, what is this? And it said to me, thank you for being a loyal Silk Soy customer. I'm like, what? Thank you for being a loyal Silk Soy customer. And, of course, immediately I'm like, how do they know I'm a loyal Silk Soy customer, right? Right. Because I don't use a shopper card. You know, I, I typically pay cash. So how do they figure out I'm a loyal Silk Soy customer? So I asked the cashier, I said, excuse me, you just gave me this coupon. Does everyone get this coupon? No. Well, how do they know that I'm a loyal Silk Soy customer? Oh, I have no idea. I said, okay. So I had this, these coupons in my jacket pocket, and they were burning a hole in there because, you know, I, I tend to get down rabbit holes, and I'm like, I better not, I better not. And then I did. I did. I, I let it get the better of me. I pulled out those coupons. I'm looking at them. I'm like, I need to find out what the heck happened here. So I read the fine print on the coupons, and I see it's from a company called Catalina Marketing. And so I look up Catalina Marketing. They're located in Florida. I think they're still around. And uh, I call them up. I say, hey, got these coupons from you. Uh, you know, this coupon for Silk Soy Milk. Um, how come you know I'm a loyal Silk Soy customer? <laughs> no answer. Yeah, I said, well, creepy. I like to talk to somebody about that. Yeah, I like to talk to someone about that, why I got this coupon when I wasn't using a store card. I want to know how you knew that, right? Well, they didn't want to talk to me about it because that's their business model, I guess. And so then I wasn't going to be deterred. I looked again at the coupon, and I noticed some patent numbers at the bottom of the coupon because they wanted to protect their rights to this this top-secret technology, I guess, they got. So, of course, I'm like, okay, I'll go to the patent documents. So I go online to the USPTO.gov, where all the patents are, and I look it up, and sure enough, I find a patent for this stuff. And I'm like, wow, now I need to see how this works. And so anyway, long story short, since I write, I called them. I did a bunch of interviews, and I found out that they were basically connecting people, tracking them through either loyalty cards, or it could have been I used a credit card at some point. I'm not sure what, but in that process of looking at the, for these patents, I noticed some other technology that really caught my attention, God bless you, was RFID, radio frequency identification. So I'm like, what is this? This is interesting because I was looking up how you track consumers in stores, you know, new technology. So I'm starting to read this and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy stuff. They're going to track people from a distance invisibly by radio waves. They're going to have one of these chips on every single product. What? So I call Catherine Albrecht. I had interviewed her for an article a, a year or two prior, and she and I were both on the same page on shopper cards and privacy. So I called her up and I said, I said, Catherine, are you familiar with, with RFID? And by the way, I'm doing this other research on this Catalina marketing. I mean, this is, this is fascinating to me. It really I said, is. This, yeah, it's, it's like, look, I'm thinking of writing a book about it, and I just want to let you know, I'm, I just got to write a book about this stuff. This is unbelievable. She goes, you got to be kidding me. She goes, I've been doing this research on RFID. I said, really? She goes, why don't we write the book together? I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then that's how I got into that. So, But then it was many years later. I mean, it takes a long time to do that research. It right. takes a long time, you know, but that's basically, long story short, um, yeah, my questioning nature, my 
my affinity for privacy um, and a little bit of research got me where where I am. And you've known Catherine for a very long time, I take it. Well, yeah, we were just talking the other day, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's amazing that we've known each other for a very, very long time. Yeah, over twenty years. That's good, though. Not many people have those kind of friendships, so you must value that. We value each other because yeah, she important. and I. We talk about this. We talk about this all the time. She's one person. I can talk, and, and believe me, I can talk fast. I, I, I'm trying to slow down here for your radio audience because that's not. But she and I have this connection where we can just both of us. I mean, it's like we can talk, and we have the same interests, and it's like one person who gets it immediately. I get her; she gets me, and it's sort of like a really cool connection that way. Yeah, and by the way, you both um, founded Starpage, correct? Well, no, we didn't just... found. Oh, sorry. Well. That's okay. No, no. I'm glad you brought up Start Page, actually. Uh, we, we founded the website Spy Chips, which was for our book, and we wrote the book Spy Chips. Uh, what we, we have been working on is, is startpage.com, which is private search. Actually, Catherine is taking a break. She, she's, I don't know, if, she's told everybody, everyone knows that she's had a, a long bout now with, with um, breast cancer. Oh, no. Um, and uh, yeah, and I would never share that kind of personal information, uh, except that she has made it very public. When she's on radio, she's on TV on it. Um, she's everybody knows this, and she shared details, even pictures of surgery and that kind of thing. So this is not me, you know, revealing something to the world I shouldn't. She was very open about it. She felt like sharing her story would help other people. Right. And um, yeah, yeah. For, for all this time, I always thought. Because I know you were a consultant, but I thought you were might you might have been you know like a founder perhaps. Since every time I've I've ever heard of Starpage, it's it's coming from either you or Catherine. Well, we are kind of a public face because we are privacy advocates, and of course uh, we are we're we're loyal users of the product. We love the product. But uh, actually, Catherine started out uh, helping Startpage uh, become popular because, frankly, we need private search search. Search engines are a huge liability for anybody yeah. who wants to keep any information private because what, whatever you search for in a search engine, basically a regular search engine like a Google or a Yahoo or a Bing, whatever you search for in there, that information is logged. Things like your IP address for your computer, things like um, the search terms, the websites you visit afterwards, the kinds of things you buy – you're you're tracked pretty much also everywhere you go. And so all of these pieces get put together when you use a regular search engine and your life becomes an open book basically. And who knows where that information will go ultimately. My goodness, um, right. Yeah, so, so we felt like this was a really, really important project because really what you search for is pretty much what you are in many ways. Think about it, right? I mean, it tells about your politics. It'll tell people about your medical conditions. It can tell people about your finances. Are you looking for a job, right? Right. Uh, are you looking for a house? Where Where do you live? Because your IP address, uh, all this information um, can become public. And so we feel like this was a really important project. Um, and Catherine got on board first for startpage.com, and she worked um, uh, as the public face and in, in, public, uh-huh. in public relations mm-hmm. for them. Uh, U.S. marketing, and then uh, I worked with Catherine part-time on the side to support her because she and I worked together really well. And then when I freed up my time, I got more involved. And uh, of course, Catherine, she's she's had some really, you know, she's had some traumatic times, and she's taking a well-deserved break. I believe it. Right. And so a couple of years ago, I was asked to step up and uh, you know do more public work 
for the company so Catherine could take a break. And so that's why you're seeing my name more connected with StartPage. However, I am not a founder. Catherine is not a founder, but we are very invested in the company. Understood. And that we yes. totally believe in it, and we and we use the product, and we want more people uh to use private search. Yeah, me too. I, I talk about the importance of um, avoiding mainstream search engines like Yahoo and Google. I've, I've been telling people for a long time to use StartPage as well. Well, thank you. Yes, definitely. That's startpage.com. And uh, what we deliver, we deliver all search results in privacy. We don't collect any information, uh, no no personal information at all, no IP address, we don't we don't uh, log the terms that you search for and associate them with you. Uh, and basically, you know, you're pretty much invisible to us, and you're invisible. We we offer the best search results, frankly, Google search results, but they're in privacy. And they're also a lot of people don't know this, but when you go to a regular search engine like a Yahoo or a Google, one thing they do, which they think is a good thing, and it can be for some people, I guess, is they they, of course, have a huge profile on you, basically. So when you, you go there, they, they suck up every bit of information they can about you. And so then they kind of figure out what kind of person you are, what kind of things you might be interested in. And so then they can tailor the results to what you want. So they may say, well, we're not going to show this guy anything about, you know, I guess this right wing or this left wing thing because he's, you know, mostly searching for right wing or left wing. And so basically it, it puts you in what we call a filter bubble. It closes your world off because those search engines are delivering what they think you want or what they want you to see rather than the entire world of possibilities. With start page, we don't do that. We can't do that because we have no personal information about people coming to the site. So everybody gets you know, based on the server they're using and where they are in the world, basically, because, you know, you want results, you know, if you're in Europe, it's not going to help you to necessarily see something about, you know, uh, a specific company uh, name in the United States as much. So there'll be, to some degree, based on utility for you, but, but generally everybody in your particular area or region would get the same results. So you get what we consider the best results, not tailored results. Understood. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's that's where we are. So, so yeah. So, I we really totally believe in startpage.com, and we feel like everybody should should give it a try. Especially now, Uh, especially today, with with all the headlines coming out of this, and well, we'll get into that. But you know, before we we do, I I did quickly want to ask you just quickly here. You don't have to really get too deep into it, but should people get into VPN services? You know, that's a really good question, and, and I, will, I will give you a, an answer to that. I think yes. I think yes because uh, – and you have to be really careful, though, because you have to trust your VPN service. You have to trust your VPN. That's a whole other uh, issue indeed. Yeah. Right, and, and there have been so many stories where people think they're getting a good VPN, and then it turns out the VPN is leaking information or the VPN is not – really private, like uh, instead of then sharing your information with your Internet service provider like Verizon or, or uh, you know, uh, Time Warner or now a Spectrum, you know, instead of them getting the information, then the VPN could get it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like you're trying to protect yourself from having everything about you known or having your, you know, your Internet service provider know what sites you're visiting, right? Right. Um, or knowing what pages you're visiting. So VPN protects you from that and it also can protect you when you go to different websites because they're not going to see your real IP address, uh, hopefully, if it's working right. But you have to trust you have to trust your VPN. Um, of course, there's some other ways you can protect yourself uh, besides, the, besides the VPN. And one thing that StartPage does if people don't want to use a VPN or always use a VPN because sometimes you may not want to use a VPN, 
But um, StarPage has a free proxy with every search result, which allows you to surf the Internet pretty much privately, too. So when you go to StartPage, let's say you search for something. Let's say you, you're searching for um, spy chips, right, my, uh, my book. And you type in spy chips, it comes up with results, and then you want to go and, and see something about that. Instead of going directly to a website that talks about it where, you know, possibly there could be somebody tracking you. We wouldn't, of course, at spy chips, but maybe there's a third-party site about it that has trackers on it. Um, you could actually click on proxy, which is a little word next to the result, click on proxy, and then you can go to that result privately. And then that third-party site doesn't see you. Your browser doesn't interact with that website at all, so you can't get any viruses or malware on your computer from being there. And so it cuts out a lot of the tracking. So let's say you don't have a VPN. You could then use Start Page to search for results privately and then actually visit web pages privately. Um, so, so that's another option yeah, that's that idea. I would recommend. Yeah, and I would say, actually, to be really safe, I like to see layered privacy. I would say, <laughs> on top of that, you know, get your VPN and use StarPage and use the proxy. Well, why, mean, why is that, Liz? Are you on the dark web? Uh, no, actually, <laughs> I don't I don't make a habit of going to the dark web. I, I think that's probably something that, I mean. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting place. Every it's an interesting place. Times a it's day. a good place to get in trouble. That's very true, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good place to uh, to uh, not only, well, it's a good place to catch things if you're not really careful with what sites you visit. Let's put it that way. Very true. Uh, yeah. So you've got to be very careful when you when you go out there. I mean, you have to be careful anywhere. It's sort of like when you go to a city. Uh, let's say you go, to, you go to New York City. New York City is a great place, right? You're going to go to all the main streets. You might go to Times Square, whatever. You know, that's like the regular Internet. But, you know, there's some, there are some, some areas where, you know, you walk down a back alley, <laughs> you know, it could be really interesting, and uh, it could be interesting in a bad way, you know. So you got to be really careful. It's not to say don't go down the back alleys. Maybe there's something down there, you know. <laughs> that, but you know, yes, there could be a club off of there that's perfectly legitimate. You want to go in and dance a little bit. Wow, it's cool. Got the best food, whatever. But then, you know, there are also some other things that could be, you know, lurking down that alley too. Oh yes, and another issue that's been plaguing everyone's mind out there uh, is, of course, the issue with Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. What's your stance on that? It seems like he's sold out and sold everyone's information, including mine and yours, if you're on Facebook, that is. Well, I mean, I think that's been clear for a long time. And if you look back at the history of how that company even started, uh, I believe, you know, and I don't know that this was ever actually proven, but supposedly he stole the idea from someone else. He was actually, I understand, in a lawsuit mm. back when he first yeah. started uh, because he uh, he uh, broke into, reportedly, this is reportedly. I'm not. I'm not accusing the man. Allegedly, this is reportedly, according yes. to our allegedly. <laughs> Got to throw that in there. Got to throw that in there. Broke into uh, the email accounts of some of the Crimson reporters. You know, the the uh, Harvard uh, journalists that Crimson newspaper they put out. He reportedly broke into some accounts to get some personal information, and what he used was uh, the I guess the old sign-in information from the Facebook, which was the original Facebook site. And so these people had actually had accounts on the Facebook. And so he went in and he figured out what their passwords were there. And somehow he was able to figure out, wow, so I can get into their other email accounts using this information. So to me, if that is a true, if in fact that's a true story, okay, that just um, speaks to character, doesn't it? It really does. And, and mm -hmm. so what, what, the, what, what, you know, what kind of a surprise is there? Really, what, what surprise is there? I mean, this is just kind of more of the same. So if, if as a 19-year-old he was willing to do that, if that is in fact the case, 
Um, what would stop him from, you know, doing something similar? I mean, if he if if these people were close to him and he had no problem with that, why would he have problems taking personal information from exactly. people he doesn't know? Exactly. <laughs> and doing whatever with it. And of course, we see here that you know somehow somebody some you know, and it start the, the tone starts at the top. I mean, and I think he's he's having to take responsibility for it because he can't. Oh, that wasn't me. That was you know did somebody. You, uh, did Did you see that video of him sweating? <laughs> pretty nervous there, huh? Yeah, yeah, and on that on that booster seat. <laughs> oh, yeah, on the booster seat, yeah, that was, that was kind of cute. <laughs> Little booster, booster seat there. Yeah, so yeah, um, we shouldn't make fun of Mark. Well, um, no, we shouldn't. I mean, my and, and my his, dad and has his a private yeah. his private house where he won't let other people who've had for for centuries had the right to walk along the beach. He, he wants to keep them out, and I mean, yeah, we can't make fun of that. <laughs> sounds like Chris Christie with the private beach there. Oh, oh, right, right. The private beach, that's right. The private beach. I couldn't forget that one. You have a good sound drop of a caller uh, calling in when uh, he was doing some sort of radio show, and, and the caller kind of trolled him a little bit. There, it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know yeah. if you heard well, that, but that was. I heard that. Uh, yeah. Why is he on the radio? That's not a good thing, especially for someone who does what he does. You know, you're going to get a lot of calls like that. Of course. Well, you know, if you're on the radio, you have to take it. If you're in the public public eye, I mean, you're going to get that. You must know that. I mean, oh, of course. But it's, you, it's you, Chris you know Christie, it. though. It's just it's, yeah. Ugh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 hard. It's tough. But anyway, oh my goodness. So we were talking about Facebook. Right, and, Facebook. You know, were you on Facebook, Facebook by the, by the way, Liz? You know, it's interesting. Um, for the work that I do for Start Page, and let me just say this right now. Sometimes, and this is my theory, I'm a real practical person. I believe sometimes you have to fight fire with fire. Ah, yes. You get what I mean? Oh, yeah. So so especially if you're a small company and you're trying to reach people who don't know about the importance of privacy or who maybe haven't connected with why they should care about privacy themselves, where are you going to reach those people? Facebook. That's true. Twitter. Mm Mm-hmm. Seriously. So if you want to reach those people and say, hey, you know, we're trying to convince you we've got this search engine, startpage.com. It is excellent. It gives you actual Google search results without the filter bubble because, you know, we're not going to collect any of your personal information. You're not going to get tracked around the Internet because, you know, now, you know, people know what you're buying and that kind of thing. Um, You know, that would be an interesting message for them to hear and then to give a try. But if we if we weren't on Facebook, then maybe someone wouldn't afford something to them. Um, about our service, right? Or we weren't on Twitter, someone may not, you know, retweet something to them that would be about our service. And so it's really a tough situation, but I do see it as fighting fire with fire. So we have to be there. Now, about me personally, um, I have a Twitter account. Okay, I do. And you can find me at Liz McIntyre. It's real easy. You'll, you'll see me out there. And I'm following you, by the way, and thank you for the follow. And I appreciate the follows, everyone, if you want to follow me. I love to, to be on Twitter, actually. Yeah, no problem. Um, and I have a Facebook account only because I post for the company and I have to. And Facebook did that on purpose. You know, they, they want to know everybody personally. They don't want you to just post for the company using the company's Facebook account. So I'm out there. But, Michael, here's the important thing. I'm really, I'm really careful because I treat social media as a billboard along a busy highway. It's like the busiest highway you can imagine at 5 o'clock in the afternoon – it's jam-packed with cars <laughs> driving down, and my mom and dad, my neighbors, and everyone in my future and everyone from my past is going to drive past that billboard and look up, and they're going to see everything that I've ever written on, on social media. 
That's true. And treating it that way, treating it, and that is true. And treating it that way, I mean, I, you know, and that's what everyone should ask. Should I post that? Would I want that in that scenario with all my friends, past, present, and future, my employers, my neighbors, uh, the world, basically, driving down the busiest highway in the world, looking up at this huge billboard, and it's lit up with everything I've ever said. Would I want that? And if, if that's the case, then it's okay. Then post a, it. Go ahead and post it. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, so I'm not going to be putting my personal my, my my pictures of my children. I'm not going to be putting pictures of my best friends. I you know unless it's Catherine, of course, and we're both public people, right? right. So that's fine. But I'm not going to be putting up uh, information about where I live, the places that I go. Um, you know, who are you with? So, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And I and I and I tell everybody because you know I have friends and family members who. You know, they, they mean well. I mean, we all have those people who decide they're going to take pictures and post them on social media. And I'm like, no. You're taking my picture. You're telling me now that that's not going anywhere yeah. on social media, right? I understand that we're, we're just such a small community of minds that think this way, opposed to the majority who, uh, like I said, well, I haven't said this to you, but I say this on the program, that m- most people out there are just completely oblivious to a, a lot of these things involving technology as well. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And I think it's partly, I think people really do care, but I think they're also overwhelmed. They're so overwhelmed that sometimes, you know, I mean, what did, there was a, a few years ago, someone tried to read every single privacy policy, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think it took days and days and days. I mean, we would take a lifetime to read all the privacy policies we come across. So people, they get burned out, and they just like, sometimes they throw their hands up. So. I think what we need to do is get really – we need to get back to some basics. We need to get some really practical, easy-to-use ways and draw our own lines because everyone's going to have a different equation as to what is okay to share and what's not to share. People need to make their own decisions. I am not going to fault anyone for being on Facebook and sharing something as long as they make a conscious decision and they respect the rights of other people. Like they don't post pictures of other people's children. If they want to post pictures of their own children and they understand the risks and they've chosen to take those risks, it's fine. But don't post pictures of, you know, someone else's children. Yeah, that's crossing the line. Right, exactly. So, you know, we all have to draw our own lines. And, yes, you may not read every privacy policy, but there are some basic things you can do. Like, for example, this is what I love about StartPage.com. It's a simple switch. Instead of going to Google or Yahoo, you can go to StartPage.com and get great search results in privacy. No one's going to be tracking you around the internet, what you, look, seeing what you look at, and use that proxy feature so that if you do visit a web page, that, you know, that website's not necessarily seeing you, especially if you're going on something sensitive like something about a medical condition or, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a simple, that's a simple thing you can do. Um, another simple thing you can do is get a, a, a an email address that's, that, uh, you know, where you can use aliases. So when you're going to sign up for a newsletter or something, you know, you can use an alias email so you're not spammed constantly with email and then getting, you know, and, and if somebody's abusing an email address, you can just cut that right off, right? Right. Um, there are just some really simple things people can do. And by the way, there is a product. Um, Startpage also has Startmail. It is a pay, Startmail is a paid service. Startpage is free. Startmail is a paid private email service where you can get all kinds of aliases. So you can have like unlimited aliases pretty much. So you can be, you know, whoever you want to be for these random newsletters that you're going to get. And then you just cut off an address when you're done with it. Um, You can encrypt your email if that's something that you want to do. And you can even write to people 
outside of start mail in an encrypted way, either through PGP, if they have PGP, which is a little advanced for people, we know. Start mail, start, pay, start mail makes it really easy, though. So if you have someone else on start mail, it's easy. Or you can do just a question and answer where you have a, a, a secret question and a secret answer that you share with somebody, and you can write encrypted email back and forth. It's really great. And they don't even have to have a start mail account. You can just have your own start mail account. So it's like these really, you know, simple steps that you can take. Um, you, you know, it doesn't have to be – Everything yeah, it doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be too complex. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. But even a small step, even taking out a little bit of that is going to be helpful. Um, and, and, of course, down the line, we hopefully we'll have some more privacy laws. And, of course, um, one thing that may save a lot of us uh, a lot of grief when it comes to privacy is the new uh, GDPR. Even though it's protecting um, European citizens, it, uh, this general data protection regulation for Europe, which covers European citizens, will also probably help a lot of us, even in the United States, because companies, global corporations, are not going to want to have separate rules for every country. And if they, get, if they mess up and they think somebody is not from the EU and that person is from the EU, <laughs> from the European Union, and they don't honor um, the, the new, these new privacy laws going into effect May 28th, there's a hefty, hefty fine. So I think it's like 4% of GDP, which is huge, huge. Um, and I, I think it, it's um, like, I mean, so that could be just, gosh, a, a ton of money. So, for example, Facebook's global revenue, it just, if, they, if they violate GDPR, now they say that they aren't going to honor it outside of the EU, by the way, which is a big mistake for them. They may, ha- they may come back and do it. But, but a company of that size, just to give you a sense, if they were to violate an EU citizen's privacy, I mean, they could be fined $24.5 million based on their most recent revenue. That's a lot of money. So, yeah, so these companies are not going to want to take a chance. And do they have the money to really, oh, well, this guy's from Germany, so we have to honor it. Oh, and this person's from the United States. We don't have to honor that. I mean, that gets really tricky, and especially when you've got VPNs floating around, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and so, by the way, Liz, yeah. what do you think is going to happen ultimately to uh, Facebook? Do you think it's going to tank? Ultimately, with all these scandals going around, or do you think it will withstand the drama? You know, Michael, I, I've been trying to figure that out. I, I know a lot of people uh, have gotten out. Investors have, got, have tried to get out of it. That's because, what we're seeing, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I actually know somebody who, you know, not really a privacy person, but somebody I know who invested a significant amount of money in Facebook and got out at the top. <laughs> And, and did so based on, you know, knowing the, you know, the, the serious, the serious uh, charges oh, yeah. thing on top of the news and understanding what pri- people are going to feel about privacy, seeing GDPR come out. You know, this is an astute investor. He got out and said, you know, I'm so glad I'm out of there. Thank goodness. I made some money on that, though. You know, I got in when it was when it was really low when they first started out. But, yeah, I think I think a lot of investors are going to get out. I think we're going to see, you know, some definitely uh, loss of value in the company. But. Will it go away? I mean, studies, I think they've been doing saying that it's a very small percentage of the population are stopping hmm. use of Facebook. Um, I mean, even though you see some companies like Elon Musk is, is pulling his Facebook page, I think, uh, what, what was it? There was a, a porn site that even pulled their Facebook page, I think. I can't remember which one it was. But the people are standing up and saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to stop using Facebook. But I guess there has to be an alternative, and that's something that I've really been looking at. And I have to say, I'd be really interested in talking. Uh, I've been doing some research. I'd be really interested in talking to um, some of these Facebook uh, uh, com- competitors that value privacy. I'd yeah. really like to talk to them and get to, to the bottom of that, because if I could find 
one or two companies I could really get behind. I would love, love, love to, you know, consult with them or work with them. And, and, and I think we could get something going. But it has to be something that's similar to Facebook in that it, it offers that sharing that people love mm-hmm. from not only from a, from a personal perspective but from a corporate perspective, but also provides much more privacy, right? Yeah, that would be um, the main focus. Right. It would be the focus of privacy. So, I mean, I think that's possible. And gosh, if anyone's out there and knows of a company like that, because I've been doing a little research, I, w- I would love to know. I would really love to know that. And I've been yeah, there, starting to add accounts. There, there's got to be an alternative slowly brewing up. I always think Facebook is going to end up just like MySpace did eventually. One with can only hope. <laughs> that too. But But then that also leads me to think, well, what's next? Twitter? Instagram? I, I don't use Instagram, but... I'm sure they're up to no good as well as Twitter. You know that. Well, well, Instagram, I, in my understanding, is it's a Facebook company. Isn't oh, well, that right? oh I, I, it might be. I'm not quite sure. Do they? Uh, you have to look that up. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Let me, let me look that up real quick. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure it is. But go to starpage.com to do it. That's true. <laughs> don't, don't forget, starpage.com. So I'm going to go over there. I'm pretty sure that, that, that uh, Facebook and inst- Instagram, because I think a lot of people were making fun of uh, the uh, one of the founders of Apple, which was uh, Steve Wozniak. Right. Was. Mm-hmm. Wozniak, uh, right. He Wozniak. Um, he gave up his Facebook account, but people were making fun of him, saying, "Yeah, but how about Instagram?" You know. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's Insta. Yes, it's Facebook. Yeah. Okay. If you go to Facebook.com/slash/Instagram. So, um, yeah. Twitter. Twitter seems to be a little bit better about some things, but I mean, there are no saints, obviously. I mean, yeah. I like it's Twitter. Tough, so. I, I do like Twitter. I like it for a lot of reasons. It 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 really focuses more on sharing substantial information over personal pictures and personal you know personal information. I mean, people share personal information, but not nearly as much as Facebook. Facebook really wants to know exactly who you are, uh, everything about you, and they're tracking people even when they're not on Facebook and they're trying to track them into brick and mortar stores. Now, Twitter, you know, I haven't done as much research on them. Uh, but Facebook is just, to me, is is ten times worse in terms of of the privacy. So I'll, I will stand corrected if someone proves me wrong. But I just I've never had a good feeling about Facebook. I also don't like. Here's the other thing I hate about Facebook. I'll just tell you. Oh, go ahead. Because like I I said I had I had I had to use it because of my work fighting fire with fire, right? So we want to reach people out there, and in order to post on the company's Facebook pages. Um, I have to have a personal account. So when I post, I have to post through my personal account for the company's pages. I have to have permission to do that. Yeah, I understand that. It, it, you, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword, basically, because it's a perfect way to get the message across. Of Facebook really is still a very popular uh, outlet to get your word out there. It is. It is. So I'm doing it, and I had to have my own personal account, which I was, like, cringing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, i got to do this, you know, and – but, okay, I'm doing it. And then, you know, I use all kinds of privacy layering t- techniques, and I travel a lot. <laughs> and so um, I- I'd be on Facebook, and then I'd get kicked out, and they wouldn't believe I am who I am, or they'd say they didn't believe I am who I am because, of course, I change. You know, I'm I'm kind of like a ghost on the Internet. I mean, like, you know, my IP address might be one thing one day, one thing the next. You know, my MAC address has changed. I mean, all kinds of things. I mean, I, I'm not trying to get tracked. I'm doing everything not to get tracked, and Facebook hates that. That's good, though. I don't have this problem with Twitter. It's good, but I don't have the problem with Twitter. Facebook had the problem, and I kept getting disconnected, and then they wanted to, me to prove who I was. At first, they were allowing me to uh, just get, an e- you know, an email and prove who I was by responding, and then they started getting really nosy. Yeah, they want your um, ID. 
Well, they well they wanted a picture of me. There they wanted go. me to upload a picture of myself, and then there were several days I have to wait. I mean, they they keep me off for a long time, and basically I figured it out that they wanted a consistent. Um, they wanted to be able to track me somehow to know it was really me. So if I changed anything, like my my VPN IP address, if I changed my MAC address, if I changed anything about my configuration on my my sandbox. <laughs> Because you know it's like you know it's like you have to take a shower after going there. You don't you don't want to go there. You know. Correct. A- anyway. Correct. So so you know if I changed anything, it would tip them off. It's like so they definitely were figuring out all these things about me. So um, I've had to kind of uh, resign myself to letting them know, uh, you know, using a more consistent way of approaching them. Uh, definitely in a sandbox, but still, you know. They they know what they have to know it's me or it's, it's it's a horrible situation really, and I understand you know with everything going on with Cambridge Analytica with you know the possibility of of uh, people being brainwashed through you know targeted advertising and that kind of thing I I understand the the situation but uh, really I mean. You know, maybe if they weren't collecting all this information to begin with, they wouldn't be in this mess. Yeah, it right? is very right? serious. Both both political parties did spend lots of money selling advertisement through there. Yeah. So, so both, yeah, and there, everybody does it. And mm-hmm. and so this is just something that's, that's, got, that's just got to stop. And to me, companies like Facebook, they should be charging a fair price for their services. Uh, or if they're going to do advertising, as StartPage has proven, I mean, the way that StartPage funds itself is through advertising. However, it's not through ad- targeted advertising where we know everything about somebody. You see what I mean? So it's it's where, you know, there's, the privacy can still be maintained. There's no reason for companies to have to siphon every bit of information. It's just the business model that everyone, for some reason, decided was the way to go, the surveillance capitalism, which is, which is terrible. We need to get back to a place where people pay a fair price for for what they're getting because that's the only way a service can really survive. That somehow a service has to be paid for because if it's not, then how can you pay for all the expensive servers? How can you pay for the proper security for somebody's account? You know, all these these things cost money. So somehow these companies, they have to be paid. But also at the same time, these companies have to understand that that personal information, like the kind of information that Facebook has been collecting on every person, the kind of information that Google collects on everybody, that kind of thing, that is that should be treated like toxic waste. It's like toxic waste. It's like the byproduct of nuclear power. You know, you got this sludge, and you got to bury it, and it's it's going to be it's going to contaminate things for for forever, pretty much. You know. Yeah. It's it's you know it's like glowing toxic sludge and it, it it's costing these companies a lot of money and when they wise up they'll realize just like Starpage did i mean this is how Starpage started like why are we collecting all this information just because people say we're supposed to collect this information this is like way back when like we're talking like uh, you know when they first started long 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 time ago and like why are we collect- we're not even using this information why are we this is crazy you know what it's better that you don't collect information why would we want this liability and why would consumers want to have their information collected because I, as a consumer, don't want my information collected. So that's how the whole thing started. And frankly, more businesses are going that way. They're saying, why do we want this liability where someone is, you know, anytime you have a database, someone is going to want that information. So you, you set yourself up for liability. You set your consumers up to be sitting ducks, right? Sitting ducks. We saw that with Yahoo. Remember Yahoo, that big that breach that they didn't even find for oh, years? Oh, yes. I recall. Millions and millions and millions of people. I mean, and then there's this one company. Why would we want to have that? I don't think we've heard much since. About about Yahoo? Yeah. You know, they've been kind of quiet. Quite, you know yeah, who bought was, them. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been very quiet out there. Yeah, but you know who bought them. Who? Yeah, oh, you'll love this, Michael. 
Verizon. Oh, that's right. Bad Verizon. boy. Yes. The bad boy Verizon. I recall. Yeah. Now I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. And I got to tell you, um, you know, everybody talks about, it's really funny. People talk about, oh, you know, Google's so bad and Google's this and Google's that. And I get a kick out of it because everyone's so I'm going to de-Google. Well, I'm like, well, how about de-Yahoo? I mean, does anyone really remember how how much, what what Yahoo did? I mean, do you remember that story? Do you remember what happened? I mean, not, it wasn't just a hacking. Do you know if they, they voluntarily cooper, cooperated with the United States government and let them, supposedly it was like more like a root kit that they let the government spy on every single email that crossed their servers, even for people who were not even customers of theirs. And this is not just people in the United States. It's people around the world. They let this happen, and because of what they did, they think that may have made it much easier for people to hack into there. So we're talking about, you know, I think it was over a billion accounts it that were breached in 2013. Three billion accounts. Yeah, it's, yeah, three billion. It was, I knew it was over God, a billion. That's a lot. Yeah. So, so then we're talking about Yahoo. So, okay, so there they were, this really horrible situation, you know. And then Verizon came in and got a discounted price on them, I guess, because of all the problems. And But Verizon itself has its own problems. And so it's like Yahoo was already bad, and now we've got Verizon buying them? I'm like, uh, hello, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, and I don't know what you think about net neutrality, but Verizon's a bad boy of net neutrality. I mean, they're one of the, the big companies, the ISPs, trying to roll, you know, they were part of that rollback. We'll, we'll talk about about net neutrality uh, in a moment here, but I, I did want to mention after 9-11, that's when everything just completely changed, and that's when basically oh, yeah. all our rights were just forfeited, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I, I think there was a real concern, and I understand that. That's, and, what and really, that is, that's what really kicked all these things off, in my opinion, especially with the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act, definitely. And, of course, that's to me, that's huge. I mean, there's no other country in the world that I know of except maybe – Maybe China and Russia and maybe have such, you know, surveillance um, of, of their people as the United States. And a lot of people don't understand how serious this surveillance is. Other countries around the world, of course, there's surveillance. There are laws being passed all the time. But the United States has this really unique law that allows national security letters, Michael. I mean, I guess you're familiar with those. Yeah. But for your audience who's mm -hmm. not familiar – Basically, the way it reads is that the United States government can go into basically any business or any person and say, listen, we need to uh, take over or we need this information from you. They can go into somebody who's got email, an email service, or go into somebody who's got a search engine service, or whatever it might be. They could be a grocery store, and they, whatever. They could say, uh, we've got this national security letter. You have to cooperate with the United States government. We need this. We need to go in, and we need to uh, take over your systems, or you need to, you know, let us have the account of John Doe, even though, you know, your privacy policy says you won't uh, reveal any personal information. But because you've got this national security letter, you must cooperate, or you're going to be going to jail. Oh, and by the way, you can't tell anybody about it because it's coming with a gag order. And that's perfectly legal here, too. That's that's like unheard of other places, even other countries where, you know, they can tap into the Internet or they can get warrants to, to search for people or whatever to justify it. The United States government can go in and basically say, I'm sorry, you got to do whatever we tell you to do and you can't tell anyone about it. Yeah, it's that's that's pretty awful. That's pretty bad. I mean, really? That's just crazy. I mean, in some of the best services, like not too long ago, actually, I think it was in 2016, there's a really – and I love these people – uh, an email service um, out, out of, at least out of Oregon, um, RiseUp.net. Uh, RiseUp.net is a, a great nonprofit email service that has a great privacy policy, and they had to give in to the U.S. government 
because they were served an NSL and gag order, and they they had to give up information. I mean, they just had to. They had to, yeah. Yeah, that's really terrible. It's it's awful to see these sort of things go on and on and on, and you can't help but to ask yourself, when does it all end, really? And especially now, since you know MIT, they did create a new machine that basically reads your thoughts. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's terrible, isn't it? It really is. And that, that sort of reminds me of all these. Uh, because here on this program, I don't just talk about what we're talking about now. I talk about all sorts of, of crazy things, about conspiracies, um, UFOs. And lots of times you hear different stories of, of people saying, well, this craft, it's basically powered by uh, your mind, basically. So when I see things like that, I'm just thinking that's that's so weird, especially with these uh, RFID chips as well. That always reminds me of the late Roger Lear, who was a surgeon and would remove these implants from people. It sort of kind of reminds me of that in a way. Maybe all this time, well, maybe all this time it wasn't extraterrestrials that were uh implanting people with these chips maybe it was some sort of a government operation who really knows well you know it's interesting i'll tell you this michael um ever since Catherine and i wrote the book uh we've had people i would say some i mean not as much lately but probably at least once a week even now people calling and begging please help me someone's you know implanted a chip in me and we get stories different stories and some of them are more credible than others but i will tell you Unfortunately, um, a lot of these people who call in, uh, they really probably have, you know, some kind of a, a mental illness rather than a real chip in their bodies. That's I mean, possible I've had too. People, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm, and I would never just rule it out because there've been so many things in history, so many terrible things, so many ways that people were used as guinea pigs. It's, it wouldn't shock me that something like that would happen. And I have heard, by the way, that the military, especially the SEALs, the, the high. You know, those people do have implants, is my understanding of some kind. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if some people actually have to have implants or are forced to have implants in order to work in highly secure positions. That would not shock me. But some, of the, a lot of the people we have calling in to try to get help, and believe me, if we wanted to make a million dollars and we wanted to, you know, we could. We, we are honest people. We, you know, we are not going to take anybody's money. You're We're not, not trying gonna, to take advantage of others. Yeah, because somebody can yeah. easily take advantage of some of these people. Easy. But but some of the some of the stories we hear just it just it's not it doesn't go hand in hand with a chipping operation. Yeah, so it's for, too far fetched. In other words. Well, I, I had one person a few years ago tell me that she was at a beauty parlor in a in a chair. I don't know if it, was, it may have been a hoax call, but she seemed serious. She was in a beauty parlor and she was having her hair washed, and somebody got soap in her eye and. Supposedly was trying to wash it out, and she called me. She says, I know they weren't washing the soap out of my eye. They were putting it, a microchip implant in my eye. I know there's a microchip implant in my eye. And I said, no, that's not how it happens. But she swore up and down that she had a microchip implant in her eye. And so, you know, um, I'm not saying it never happens, but I'm saying a lot of the cases that I've run across, I've even had people send me x-rays. Um, and I mean, I've really been open-minded about looking at certain things. You should have um, put those up on your website. Well, you know, I wouldn't put someone's personal medical information. Well, if, out, if, they, especially if they let if you, that is. Right, well, yeah, but, I, you know, the other thing is I, I, really, I really have a heart for these people because I don't want to put anybody in a situation where either, one, it's true and they're put in danger, uh, okay, yeah, because, that's true. or two, it's not true and then they're ridiculed. Yeah. Or three, even if they're not in danger, they're not, you know, 
crazy, they could still be ridiculed. So, you know, I don't know that that's a, a you know, a service I would, you know, a, a good thing for me to do for them. Um, so I really take that in consider, into consideration. I have done some research. It's not to say that I wouldn't research it more, but um, I, I haven't totally ruled it out. But I will say a lot of the people that have contacted us, um, I would I would say the way they describe what happened is, is not, not probable at, yeah. at all. Not adding up, in other words. Not adding up. Like yeah. I went to sleep and there was a fog in my room <laughs> and I know that they were sending chips through the air and there was there was smoke and oh, that's, no. that's how they got it in me, you know. That, so, that, you know, that's not yeah. to me that yeah, that's not going to be the – now, if they went into surgery, you know. Well, that's, yeah, uh, that's another story. Another story maybe, so. Understood. And a few names that I did forget to mention to you earlier here. Um, where exactly do you stand with people like um, Edward Snowden and Julian Assange? That's interesting. Um, well, Edward Snowden is a hero to me. Um, he exposed so much information that we needed to know. And frankly, the United States government is supposed to be transparent. We have a right to know what people, what, what our leaders and our government is doing and the kind of snooping and collecting of information. I mean, actually watching people on their personal webcams in their bedrooms you know, on their laptops, that's ridiculous. That is this, well, you know, we have let, something called the Fourth Amendment. Can I, can I tell you something really quickly here? Sure, please. Way back in, I would say, 98, 99, I was really into computers, and I did all sorts of things I probably shouldn't be doing. And I used a, a rat tool, a remote – well, you know what that is, I, I'm sure. Remote access, yeah. Correct, okay. yeah. I was playing around with, with these uh, Trojan viruses long ago. And some of these things I was able to do were just completely easy. You had an interface there. And a lot of these tools I saw that came out because of Edward Snowden were just things that I was able to do back in 98, 99. For instance, like turning on someone's webcam. And, right. yeah, you could do all these things. You, you could even open up someone's um, little CD tray there, this little CD-ROM tray. And right. you could do all sorts of things, and it just always blows my mind that even back then you were able to do these sort of things. However, now it's just – it's insane how rapidly I'm sure that sort of technology has just taken off in so many years. It's – you can't even imagine what they could do now. Well, yeah, and the fact that, you know, people are doing it, but your own federal government doing it. I mean, the thought of – you know, we have a Bill of Rights for a reason. Uh, there's a Fourth Amendment for a reason. And it's unacceptable for, for, for anybody to violate somebody in their home without a warrant. And imagine the United States government, you know, actually using their own tools to turn on laptop computers and watch people in their own homes. That's I believe ridiculous. it. It's not acceptable. Yeah. It's not acceptable. Um, so, you know, we needed to know that information. We still need to know that information. Of course, we have to, to – there has to be a balance. Um, we have to protect ourselves. But, you know – Frankly, people who are in charge of this country, they want a perfect record. They don't want anything to happen to anybody. They want to protect us so much so that they never have a spot on them, but they'd be willing to, you know, violate perhaps, you know, the Fourth Amendment to do it. Um, and you have to ask yourself, you know, at what point do, do they stop? I mean, you can look at this in law enforcement, the Miranda laws, for example, where you have to be read your rights. And if, if evidence yeah, is collected, mm -hmm. Miranda rights, right, Miranda rights, if evidence is collected, basically in a way it shouldn't be it could be thrown out of court and there's a reason for that we let people go and and it, it kills us when we see somebody let go but we do that for a reason we do it because we know that if we allow unrestrained uh police police powers 
that innocent people would be be hurt, and it would be far worse than letting one bad guy go sometimes, and as much as it kills us. So yeah. um, anyway, I don't know. So to me, Edward Snowden is a hero. Uh, and by the way, Edward Snowden mentioned Start Page by name. Did he really? Know that. No, he did. I, I he did. mentioned Start Page. He, oh, yeah, wow. he actually, and we have a video on our, our website. Uh, he, we actually held a, um, a, a question and answer session with him. Uh, in the Netherlands, and he was our guest. And uh, at one point, he said he recommended people use no lo- no logging search engines like Startpage.com is one of his recommendations. So yeah, so he's a hero. It's a and, good endorsement, uh, and a by the way. Well, <laughs> we didn't consider it an endorsement, but he did mention us by name, you know, and we were really pleased that he knew about our service and he thought it was really great that we didn't log anything. So yeah, I mean that's wonderful. Yeah, you put your guys um, over, which is important especially by Snowden. And, you know, I'm curious to see what's going to happen to Snowden and Julian out there. Yeah, it's really interesting. Now, Julian Assange, I mean, there's been so much uh, now about, you know, I, I, I'm, took his I'm, internet I'm access, not even sure right? what to think. Excuse me, what? They, they took his internet access away the last I heard? Yeah, and he's in a basement somewhere. I mean, the guy, Ooh. I understand, is not in good shape. I mean, he's just not in good shape. I mean, he was like out of the sunlight forever, and I just heard so many things about his deteriorating health. And in terms of WikiLeaks, for forever, I mean, there was so much important information shared by WikiLeaks, and yet you're hearing all this other information. I, I, I'm just not even sure what's true anymore. It's really hard to know because I'm yeah. sure there's a, a disinformation. Cam- there are disinformation campaigns. These are very strange times. You really don't know who to trust, to be honest. I, I know. Yeah. It, it really is. It really is, and. Yeah, going back to Snowden really quickly, lots of people saying that he's a traitor, he's this, he's that. But then again, it's like, don't you want to know some of this information that's been kept away from you that your own government does to you? Right. I mean, and I feel like one day, I've told this to a lot of people, I feel like one day he'll be on a postage stamp. He might be. He might be. Yeah, because he stood up. He did what was important. It's sort of, you know, the equivalent of Martin Luther King did for... For civil rights, I mean, Edward Snowden is doing for, you know, for privacy and uh, U.S. government snooping in a way and standing up for those rights. It's hard. Whenever you whenever you do something to stand up to power, you speak, you speak truth to power, you always you always put yourself on the line. And he's put himself on the line in, the, in, in a major way. In a major way. Did, did you see the film, uh, the Edward Snowden film, by the way? You know, you know, we, we actually helped promote that. I don't know if you knew that. I oh actually went goodness. to New York. Did you? I know. Starpage did. Yeah, we worked with uh, Fathom Events for for one of the first screenings in New York City, and uh, actually I flew out there and uh, sat in the front row right there with uh, the actors were there on the stage. Uh, so yeah, I was right there during the premiere. Wow. It was really fun. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're very familiar with that film. Did Did you like it? I did actually. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. The the whole stripper girlfriend thing was interesting too. That was a, an angle I didn't even I wasn't even aware of that. That that is interesting, isn't it? It yeah. really is. It really is. But it would make sense, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, he, he's 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 kind of a cool guy, and uh, he seems I feel like for a good guy. Because, huh? He seems like a good guy, though. I I I I do believe he's a good guy. I do trust him, and I I do believe he's done a great service. And I know there are some people who disagree with that, and and you know oh, what, yeah. we have a right to disagree on that. But but frankly, the information he's brought forward is really important. Had he not brought that forward, 
I mean, we do not want a government that's overreaching its powers. Oh, no. Because that is, yes. that is a horrible situation. And you know what? That's not happening in Europe. Do you know why it's not happening in Europe? It's not happening in Europe because they have a memory of what that's like to live under a dictatorship. They know what it's like to be threatened in that way, to have their mail opened, to be threatened, to, to have to rat on neighbors and parents and so on uh, because there's so, a, a dictator in power. Uh, you know, the United States has been fairly unscathed in a way because this country was formed to get away from that. And so we had this Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And, you know, while they've been encroached periodically, people have really stood up and it's been really important to Americans to stand up for what's, what's right. But but then we get scared with all the terrorism threats going on, which are way overblown. And the government has really, behind the scenes, you know, taken great liberties with our liberty. Um, and... You know, if we had known about it up front, we never would have approved it. It was all done behind our backs, pretty much. All the most serious things were done behind our backs and without our without our acquiescence. Um, and it won't happen in Europe because the Europeans are really on top of that. They know. They have a history. And that's why you're seeing things like the GDPR in Europe, the really strict privacy laws coming into effect at the end of May, where the United States is, you know, the only reason companies will agree to that is because they want to have, you know, a global presence and they don't want to get fined by the European Union. So... Yeah. By the way, since this is a very topical show, where exactly do you stand with the topics like the paranormal and uh, UFOs? Mm, interesting. Do you believe in any of that, or or that's just just not not there for you? Well, uh, that has not been my um, area of inquiry. Um, of course so not. So I'm not one. Of course yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, I've I've you know, do, there's only so much you can spend your life doing, and I've really focused. Most of my research uh, on on privacy, uh, so I really haven't spent time looking into you know Area 52 and those other things. Not that I don't enjoy reading about that sometimes. So I am not informed enough to make any kind of a of a, of a decision on those things. I, I would never close the door to the possibility of other life. I think it's very probable there are other beings in in the in the universe or you know somewhere out there. It's, it's just very probable. Um, and in, in terms of whether they've come here or not and done things here or not, um, you know, like I said, the jury's out for me because I really haven't spent the time. Understood. What do you think, Michael? Well, I, I wanted to ask you because I've never heard you ever talk about that sort of thing on any other show. No, I, I, I don't I, talk about it yeah. because it's not my area of expertise. Exactly. So if I were to say something about, hey, hey, you know. <laughs> but everyone has an opinion, so. <laughs> well, you know what? I, here's something I've, I've learned over time. Um, Never say never, um, and and you know what burns me up is when people say, oh, they'd never do that, or that would that never happened when they when they don't really know, you know. I mean, and I've had this happen to me so much in my research uh, with with RFID, where people would come back and go, that's just not possible. No one would ever do that. That can't be true, you know. And even though they hadn't spent the time researching it um, and read, hadn't read the documents I'd read or talked to the people I I'd talked to or been to the meetings behind the scenes with real life people developing the technology, you know, it, it kind of, it was like, well, it is true. You know, I've been there. I know what it is. And, and so, so I give, I give people who research in other areas, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't uh, counter them without having, you know, done the research myself. Oh, that's a good answer. Yeah. And going back to your early years, were you always interested in in you know, and technology and, and all these sort of things, computers, uh, or did all this just come later on in life for you? That's really, really interesting. You know, it's I, I think about this from time to time. I remember as a very young child, 
hearing about how one day robots ah, okay. would, would take over the world, basically that the robots would be doing the work and that they were, theori- they were theorizing that one day people would be using robots as assistants and the people who would succeed in life would be the ones who could use the robots and who would have the power or the money or the, the whatever to, to actually you know, be involved with robots, okay? And I thought in my mind, remember, I was driving in, I was in the backseat of, of my dad's car, when, when I, and I was listening to a radio program just about that topic, because he always was listening to interesting, you know, talk radio types of shows, academic types of things. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to be one of those people who owns a robot, because I'm not going to get left behind. Okay. And at that time, there really weren't computers. Okay. And so, um, I mean, there were computers in big, you know, like took up a whole floor, but whoever at that, at that point dreamed that they'd have a laptop, for example, to do their work. Everybody was using typewriters and, you know, but I always had that in the back of my mind. And so as soon as the kind of technology came about with computer, I was like one of the first, especially with women, because women were really slow to catch on to, to technology with uh, computers. And I, I was one of the first people, um, even though it took like, Oh my gosh! To load one page, you remember, I don't know how old you are, but some of the first first uh, computers that were out on the market for for popular consumption, if you got on the internet, you'd have to sit there for like a whole minute while the page loaded. <laughs> it oh, was like I recall dial-up, yeah. It, crazy, yeah, dial-up, exactly. And I was on there, and I didn't care how long it took, you know. <laughs> so I was on there, and I yes. I like to me, I always connected it with, well, this is going to be where the power is, and I want to be on, I want to have this power. The, and, um, the, the pain of downloading a two-minute video is a pain no kid will understand. <laughs> exactly. They won't understand. Exactly. It's, my God, what what a different time it was to be on the Internet back in the early 90s, um, right when the Internet was really blooming, back when you had all these generic websites made by all sorts of anonymous people. You had things like GeoCities and Lycos, I think it's called. You remember all right. that Angel Fire? AOL. Oh AOL. Everyone got an AOL disk <laughs> in the mail, and everybody was on AOL. And yeah, no, I always had a computer for the very start. As soon as they were available, I had a computer, and I was one of the only women online. And in fact, I remember I actually, and I'll, I'll share this little bit of information. I actually met my husband online. Did you and I really? Remember I did, and that was way back when they didn't have any of these online dating services or any of that stuff. And well, I will tell you how. Now things got interesting here. Okay, so oh, you, you met your husband online. Let's go there because now we're seeing. No, 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 no. But listen, I will tell you this. I will tell you what it was go like, ahead, and this is ahead. even before the '90s. Okay, this Good is the, times. It was like like at the end of the '80s, even there. Were, you know, I mean, I, I was out there, and I will tell you that um, that. Um, so, like, you would go to these chat rooms, for example, because, you know, it was like, for me, it was like, I was just fascinated about all of it. And, of course, you know, at that time, it was like nobody thought anything about viruses or, you know, it was like everybody was innocent out there roaming around. And you go into these, I think it was AOL chat rooms. You go into these chat rooms and, you know, you use a, a, a female name. And, you know, I didn't use my real name because I was always smarter than that. But I go into the room and I'd be a female and, you know, like I'd be the only female in a room with 100 guys. It was like like oh I was God. a piece of meat in a room of wolves. <laughs> you, you had your options. And the guys, even back then, were talking trash. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, and of it was course. like, oh, my gosh. And then, you know, and but you, you know, you're online. You want to have an interesting conversation. And, you know, there aren't any other women. There weren't any other women online, really, honestly. I mean, maybe every now and then you'd bump into somebody. But you wanted to have an interesting conversation about technology or something. It was really, you know, to me, these are my people. I, I mean, yeah. you know, I want to have, I want to have a conversation. And every now and then you find somebody you could have a conversation with. And of course, it's almost always a guy because there just weren't women online. And, but most of them were, I hate to say this, disgusting. Okay. Well. They were just, 
because they felt they were anonymous. They had no clue, you know, that they weren't totally anonymous, and they were saying all kinds of trash, and it was like you couldn't see. They were across the country wherever, and they could say whatever they wanted. But I met a guy who was on, smart. On AOL? Online. I don't, th- I don't think it was. I don't know if it was AOL. I don't know where it was, but online somewhere. And was smart and was, you know, respectful and not like, uh, you know, I mean, not taking advantage of the fact that, that you know, we didn't, you know, that he, he could probably, I would never know who he was. Did right? you did you ask him for his ASL first or did he do that first? His ASL? What do you mean his ASL? His age, sex, and location, ASL. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's new. Late. By the way, we didn't uh, have that back then. <laughs> oh, my, you predate that then. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, we. it was before that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm dating myself. You were in the earlier but, days. Yes. Oh, the early. I was like I said, I was like, I was probably like one of the first people. I mean, I was probably the only person for a wide range for quite a while, a range of distance that had a computer. But um, uh, anyway. So you met so, him and everything was good. It was good. <laughs> and wow, that's like a nice little love story there, though. Yeah. But, you know, I was like probably one of the first people to meet on the internet and get married. So you asked me about technology. You asked your question, it evolved from, well, what do you think about technology where you're always involved in technology? And I would, I guess when you see that, then I guess you'd have to say, well, I was involved as early as I possibly could be. I mean, if anyone, you know, was going to be involved in technology, it was me. So there you go. And how do you feel about uh Online dating today, there's so many websites now, there's apps, there's all kinds of things. Um, do you think that would be a positive thing nowadays, or do you think uh, to avoid it nowadays? What do you think? Oh, my gosh. You know, I I haven't been out dating in a long time, um, and I'm glad I'm not on that scene, frankly, because that's kind of a – I remember those days. But, um, you know – it's a, it's a great way to make connections. I mean, even apart from, like, uh, meeting somebody to marry, just meeting other people who have similar interests is fascinating. And I think you have to be really careful, but if you're really, really careful, you can make some very interesting connections. And I love the fact um, that it's possible to find and make connections with people you might not otherwise make just because of the distance. And sometimes there are interests that are so – like, for example, the interest in RFID – I mean, the Internet made that possible for me to learn about that in depth and also connect with my author thousands of miles away. We wrote remotely. We had a special way to communicate remotely, you know. Um, and and so looking at that and dating, I mean, I can understand why people would do that. I think it can be a pretty risky situation. I think it's unfortunate that most of these dating sites probably are taking that information. I guess you saw Grinder, which was horrible. You saw the Grinder situation? <laughs> I was just going to ask you about that. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, well, well, actually, what what Grinder situation? What just happened there? Okay, Grinder. Now, this <laughs> What happened to our friends in Palm Springs? Uh, which friends in Palm Springs? Uh, well, Palm Springs has a, a rather large uh, gay community. And oh, some oh, of them do oh. listen to the show from Palm Springs, oh. so that's why I'm saying, what's right. going on with oh, Friends of Palm Springs? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, okay, so I thought what Grinder did was horrible. I mean, it was it, it broadcast the – or it, it made made public information about people's HIV status. And Ooh, um, I that, yes. Yeah, a huge betrayal. I mean, so you have to be really careful when you share any personal details 
in any when it's going in a database basically anytime your information is going in a database you have to think wow that could be taken by somebody or it could be abused and so the dating sites I would be really really careful with the dating sites and, and what I would share but of course a lot of the dating sites they want this, these details so that they know they're not hooking you up with a crook or with a pervert or you know a, a mass murderer <laughs> yeah, you know um, and yeah. so yeah so that, you know, that's one of those situations where people have to draw, you know, they have to draw their own lines. And I don't know about a dating service. I mean, oh, gosh. I mean, love is, like, important to people. I, I get it. I, I get why people want to hook up that way. And I understand that, that you know, the, the thing about time where you don't want to be alone. But, uh, you know, I would just say before, if, if, it, if it were me and I were in a dating mode, um, I would definitely read the privacy policy carefully and think twice. That's true. And, and of course, um, on that subject, Backpage.com also went down recently. That's another okay. That's another strange place, people, where, well, you know what they were doing there, but that place is gone. Yeah. I mean, there have been so many sites. What was that other one where there was a huge scandal? It was uh, where people were hooking up that were married and having affairs. Is that, that Ashley Madison? Is that what it was called? There you go. Ashley Madison. Yeah. There was a lot of names on there on that database that was also oh. hacked. Also hacked. Yeah. So, wow. Right. Imagine, right. imagine so, being someone's yeah. uh, wife finding out about your husband through an email. Yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's pretty bad. Uh Anyway, so I guess it goes back to the dating site thing. I mean, just be really careful because any information that you give to one of these online services is going to be in a database. It's going to be a gold mine for advertising, perhaps, depending on the privacy policy. Um, you can't trust that the information is safe because some of the, even the most secure kinds of databases have been hacked. Uh, so, I mean, if you're giving details, for example, on Grindr, people saying whether they're HIV positive or not, that's like, gosh, that's really sensitive personal information. Yeah, it's really I, I dark. Mean, it got dark yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. There's, there was also a website called Christian Mingo, and I believe there was a, there was a man on there, I think from San Diego, I, I recall now, very vaguely, who murdered some woman he met on there. Yeah. Scary. I didn't hear that, but that's scary. I, I believe it. I mean, you you know, but uh, but let's face it. There have been matchmaking services forever in different formats. I mean, people used to write in um to the want ads. You know, remember that when they used oh, to yeah. want ads? You you call a number and and then you could uh, you could decide whether you wanted to meet the person or not. You could send an anonymous mail to a PO box. That's or some, so. You know, some that crazy is, things. <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> once you think about it, you you're you have like a pen pal and you're writing to them about yourself. It's how times have right. changed, really, and the Internet is just times incredible. But, you know, there was risk then, too, because if you, you know, we're saying, well, look, this this person got, got murdered because of, of, you know, signing up for a dating site and getting hooked up with somebody. But, I mean, it could have happened, and I'm sure it did happen, in, in times when there was different technology. Uh, so it's not the technology alone, but I think that my my bigger concern is the privacy policy of sites and the security of information and the kind of information they're collecting and how that could possibly be used against you at some point or be used, um, you know, to harm you. I mean, those people with their HIV status, I mean, that's just, that's just horrible. I mean, that's just a horrible, horrible thing to have out there in public. And um, it, it totally to is. Eat. Totally is. Yeah. What, what an invasion of privacy. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about all these things that could it could hurt you on in the future, like a job, going for a job. Now, there's not supposed to be discrimination, but we know there's always discrimination, right? Um, 
so if somebody knows you, you're HIV positive because you, you know, your HIV status, HIV status somehow got out, I mean, that could hurt you because the company might say, wow, you know, we really don't want to hire this person because that could really cost us a lot of money for health, you know, our health insurance premiums could go sky high, right? But, um, you know, the, you, you might never know it as an applicant. It's just a person picked it up off the Internet somewhere and no one's telling anybody. I mean, so it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just something to, to really be careful about. Yeah. Just know when you, when you do things, the risks you're taking, and, and just to, you have to draw your own line. You have to decide what are you going to share and what are you not going to share. you got to be very careful. Very, very careful. And we are coming to a close here on the interview, but there are two other topics we could talk about before we close up. And, of course, that is with with your book. Let's talk a little bit about the last book you put out and the RFID chips and perhaps the dangers of what these microchips can do to you. I I recall early studies from, um, I'm forgetting what what year it was, early 2000s, I, I, I think. I recall there were all sorts of uh, studies going on that indicated cancerous tumors found on several rats who were chipped. Well, actually, that's my co-author, Dr. Catherine Albrecht, and I uh, believe I've got some of that research up at my website. I started a website, camcat.org. Ah, yes. Um, Citizens Against Marking, um, Chipping, and Tracking, because I was horrified by some of the proposals coming out to implant human beings with microchips. I was horrified by this company in Wisconsin that threw a party to microchip about 50 of its employees, uh, you know, saying it was voluntary. But, of course, if, you're, if your employer is suggesting people get chipped and that's their business model and how they're going to grow their company, I mean, how can you say no? So voluntary, how voluntary is it? So, I, I, you know, I saw that things were moving forward in a way that were not good for free choice. I mean, I think people have a right to mark their bodies, to tattoo themselves, ship themselves, to hack themselves. They should have the right to do to, to self-determine that. But but I do not believe that uh, the government or any employer should use either a carrot or a stick method uh, to force you to get shipped. And and so um, that's that's where things have, have gone. Of course, our book uh, Spy Chips back back in the the uh, what 2006 is the last publication date of that book. It's a while back, but but everything's come true. It's still a very relevant read. And we do talk about this human shipping and the shipping of clothing and items on store shelves. We held back a lot of that. It's going forward. But as you say with the human shipping, uh, after we put our book out, we did find, my, my co-author, Dr. Catherine Albrecht, did find that there was a higher percentage uh, of cancers growing around uh, chips in, in lab rats. And then there was also there were also reports of higher than expected amounts of cancer around chips in animals like cats and dogs. And um, if you go to camcat.org, I believe I have that up there on the website that you can go and you can look at that research. And there's a quote actually from um, an oncologist saying, hey, you know, this has got to be looked at. I would never have a family member chipped, not with this documentation, not with this information. So I think we have to be careful on a number of, of levels with the human shipping. One is with the health risk that could be there. We don't know if these are completely safe, and that needs to be determined before we start doing any kind of chipping of people, frankly. Uh, and I think that people have a right to be chipped if they want to be chipped, but they should never be coerced in any way. They shouldn't be coerced by better premiums on their health insurance. They shouldn't be coerced by an employer. They should not be coerced by the government. Uh, right, right. And I'm glad you said that. Some people believe this is uh, the mark of the beast, those who are very religious out there and not exactly sure what to think about all of that, however, but we are definitely captivated by all the great technology and 
It seems like um, man will definitely mesh with machine as years keep tumbling on here. That's true. And, you know, uh, every day there's a, new, um, there's a new way to track people through these chips. Uh, if you look at my website, you'll see I put out a press release. There was a serious proposal to chip Olympic athletes to try to find out if they're doping, you know, using illegal drugs to uh, enhance their performance. I mean, that was a serious proposal by someone who was the head of a World Olympian Association. Um, I, that went by the wayside when people raised a stink, but still, I mean, that was a serious proposal. And now, just the other day I read, there's a new implant that will snitch on you uh, if if you drink and you're not supposed to be <laughs> Really? Yes, and this is um, under development. It's not there yet. But, yeah, they want, to, they want to implant it in people. Now, if people want that voluntarily, let's say they're alcoholics and they're like, you know, I really want that thing to tell my smartwatch or my smartphone if I take a drink because I want my sponsor AA to, to come and get me or, you know, whatever. But if the government says, wow, you know, you need this, this implant because, you, you know, we've caught you dr- driving drunk, you know, that's just the start. I mean, next time, next they'll be wanting implants in people uh, because uh, they want to make sure that they aren't eating too much sugar if they've got diabetes, right? <laughs> you know, or, you know, it'll be an excuse. It's just you, they always yeah. find the weakest, the weakest point to try to get a foot in the door, and then technology will always look for its next opportunity. That can be a really good opportunity that helps people, but it could also be an opportunity to do things that really are contrary to the best interests of the human people, of people, the human condition. And um, so that's what we, we really have to keep our antennas up for this kind of thing. Definitely. And the fight for an open Internet rages on. Where do you stand on net neutrality? Um, I did not want net neutrality, the Title II laws to be rolled back. I felt like it was important. Um, I feel like, if anything, it should be strengthened, not rolled back. Of course, it was rolled back. I feel like uh, Ajit Pai, who is the head of the FCC, um, who was a former Verizon attorney, you know, these are his people, the ISPs, and the ISPs really wanted those laws rolled back because they really wanted to do whatever they wanted to do, and they wanted to promote their own services. Um, now, normally I'm a free market person, Michael. I, I believe in the free marketplace taking care of things like this because you say, well, if this one ISP is going to do this something bad and they're going to throttle, you know, sites or they're not going to let you go to a site, then there will be another ISP out there, Internet service provider, who will offer that service. And that, that guy who doesn't offer the service will either be pressured into offering it or he'll go out of business. The problem here in the United States is that we do not have enough competition with Internet service providers. There is not enough competition to assure that there that there's a check and balance system so that companies like Verizon and Spectrum and and uh, Charter are going to behave and they have a history of super bad behavior at one point there was a company um uh, an ISP in North Carolina that decided they didn't want Vonage because it was a competitor so they they blocked Vonage service and so people who wanted Vonage the cheaper low cost uh phone service i you know voice over IP phone service yeah they sued. couldn't yeah they couldn't get it they couldn't get it, but they, but they sued, and the FCC was there and stood by them and fined the company. But with Title II rolled back, you know, and then oversight to the FTC, which doesn't have any teeth, what's going to happen? Especially if you only – and so many people in this country only have one choice, one choice of ISP. If not one, then maybe two, okay? And how much choice is that when they all have the same agenda, right? Exactly. It, it's, it's awful. And speaking yeah. of Verizon, I'm actually forced to use their service. Is that your only choice? One of the only choices. I, I live in a very small city, so choices ah. are choices are limited. And there is AT and T out here, but their service down here is just 
It's lower tier, lower tier talent, in other words. Yeah. So you really don't have choice. So you understand the problem. It's a double-edged sword. Because I really don't like the government involved, and and really we don't want them involved in in um, you know uh, policing the internet. Because what we really want is a free, open internet where. You know, in this, by the way, I want to know who thinks that ISPs own the Internet. I mean, whoever said they own the Internet? It's like they want to treat it like they own it. And rolling back Title II, their ability to kind of decide, be traffic cops, decide who's going to get fast speed or slow speed or, you know, I mean, there's there's even been cases in the past where they've they've um, blocked blocked a VPN service so that they because they may not like that. They might want to know everything about you. Right. So so. I would say normally if there's choice, you know, we could fight that, but there's no choice right now. So we really need to protect consumers. And the only way I see this happening right now is what's happening, and I love it, Michael. There's, you know, this is the worst thing for Ajit Pai and the ISPs. They never saw this coming. I bet they wished they never messed with net neutrality, and I'll tell you why. Do you see what's happening in response to this rollback? It's so exciting. Yeah, I've been, Laws I've been are reading. being passed oh, yeah. at the state level. The states are stepping up. And now these ISPs are going to have to deal with a patchwork, a patchwork of different rules and regulations. And I love it. I love it because what's going to happen – and all the lawsuits, I think over 20 states are suing the FCC right now for the uh, based on the rollback. Um, and believe me, the ISPs, they really hate net neutrality. They hate it so much. In fact, there's one company I saw it. I was on Reddit. And by the way, if anyone wants to see me on Reddit, I, 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 I do a lot of posting on Reddit in the privacy section and also in net neutrality uh, feeds. So I post a lot of news out there if you are interested. And a lot of other great people post there as well. But um, but uh, you'll, if you go there, you'll see that uh, there was a company. I forget. It was out of Alabama, I believe. Was it? I can't remember the name of the company. They were asking their employees to to, to uh, every pay period donate a certain amount of money to fight <laughs> to fight the lawsuits and fight states trying to pass laws to protect consumers. I thought it was hilarious. It shows they're sweating. They are sweating. Oh yes, they are backed against the wall proverbially. <laughs> and by the way. We definitely are coming to a close here, and I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. Uh, go ahead and plug anything you'd like, Liz. The floor is yours. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I'm a privacy advocate, and I want people to do things to make a di- that make a difference for their privacy, and I want everybody to please do this for me. If you use Google, if you use Yahoo, if you use one of those other regular search engines, I want you to please stop doing that and give startpage.com a try that's you go to www.startpage.com, go there, do some searches. You get actual Google search results. In privacy, Google doesn't see you, and we don't really see you either because we don't collect any of your personal information. Um, try it give, it. give it a couple of weeks. Give it the old try, and it will make a huge, huge difference for your privacy. Also, if you want to go to my website at camcat.org, that's camcat, C-A-M-C-A-T, Citizens Against Marking, Chipping, and Tracking, uh, I'm going to be posting more information soon. I, I got behind on that. But human shipping is a huge issue. We need to fight that. We do not want the government. We do not want employers. We don't want anyone forcing us to put RFID or any other kind of chip implants in our bodies. Or now they're even trying to tattoo people. There are now tattoos that can do the same thing. Can you believe it? Jeez. We don't want that to happen on our planet. We just do not want to have that happen. So there you go, and that's 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 what I'll plug. That's that's what I'll, I'll plug tonight. Oh, and also our privacy. If you go to Reddit, you want to learn more about privacy, uh, and I post there a lot. Go to Reddit. Uh, our privacy. That's a subreddit. Uh, 
Privacy subreddit. I'm there a lot, and I'm also there on the uh, Net Neutrality uh, boards an awful lot over there. You can find them, Net Neutrality, March for Net Neutrality, uh, and uh, Keep Our Net Free. So I hope I, I catch you there, and also on Twitter, you can follow me at Liz McIntyre. It's at Liz McIntyre. Would love love to, to catch up with some privacy people out there. Very nice. Once again, thank you very much, Liz, and we'll do this again in the near future. Oh, that that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. No problem. Good night, and be safe out there. You too. Surf right. safely. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. And there she goes, folks. Liz McIntyre. Great, great guest. She rolled in here pretty early. I couldn't really say a few uh, normal things I usually do during the start of the program. But once again, welcome back to another dose of the Michael Deacon program. Very nice to be here. Always an honor and pleasure to be here, folks. Thank you to those listening here in America and those who listen outside of America, no matter where you are on this island Earth. I really do appreciate you being here with me tonight. Just the other night, actually, I was on with uh, Dean Alimoto, and I believe I'm not alone here tonight. Is that who I think it is in the background? Uh, hi. Hi. Are you are you okay? Hi, Michael. Yes, I'm okay. I'm okay, yes. I was on my way to pee, but I'm okay. <laughs> perfect. Perfect, perfect, yes. I was just talking to the folks here about that last interview. Were, were you listening to the show, by the way? I was. Did, did you like that? Did you like the? Did you like Liz? I did. Well, you know, I... I I didn't hear Liz a whole lot by the time I got on. I I thought I was listening live. Um, technology and me don't really get along. <laughs> I might have been listening to an old feed. I'll be honest. That that's okay. <laughs> but... Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. But yes, I was just getting into the whole little intro here on the program. I didn't get a chance to do that since um, Liz was ready to roll, but. Um, for those out there who missed the interview with Dean Alimoto, go to michaeldeacon.com or go to youtube.com and uh, no, search, could... search in the days. What, what was that? Sorry. I, I caught I caught Dean there. Yeah. I, I did nice. hear it with Dean. And and Liz, um, shout out to all the Liz is out there. My middle name is Elizabeth, so I'm a Liz myself. Oh, so, you are. You know, more power to us. You're not a lesbian, but you're a Liz. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very awesome. I don't know about Liz, but I myself know. But um, Did... I may have inadvertently mm -hmm. um, suggested a protest sign um, for, uh, you know, wanting to call justice to Ashley Madison. I, I was really? just suggesting a protest sign. <laughs> um, the fact that what it turned into what it did, you know, right. that's beyond me. <laughs> but yay for equality, right? Right. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And I'm looking at the time here. It is that time to go on a little break, however. So what I'll do is I'll bring you on after the break. Is that all right with you? <laughs> oh, so I'm not on now. That's fabulous. No, yes, great. <laughs> no, you are on now. Don't worry. This is live. Oh, oh crap. Hi. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Don't worry. I'll bring you back in here once we come back from the break. We'll riff on things and we'll wait for the second guest to be ready. Sounds perfect, Michael. All right. Well, don't worry. I'll hit you up in a bit here. And, folks, don't forget that this is a call-in show. Please feel free to call in if your little hearts desire. That number is 760-332-8947. One more time. 760-332-8947. Or reach me on Skype. End of days, Mike. 
the letter Y in Mike, and that's all one word, people. And uh, there you go. And I'll be right back, folks. Stay tuned. What are we going to learn today? Well, today I'm going to teach you about spirit channeling. What's spirit channeling? Spirit channeling is what we call it when you go into a trance and empty yourself out. And welcome back to the program. Hi. Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, often imitated, never duplicated. Many of you out there know that by now. I can reassure you that. Luckily, I found my second guest. What's going on, my friend? How are you? How you doing, my friend? I did not even see that uh, you had called, and I was right there. Isn't that a funny? It really is. I'm glad you could be here, my friend. It's It's been a while since we last talked, and I'm glad we could do this again. And, uh, you know, I, I have a few things before I, I, I interview you uh, here, my friend. If that's okay with you, I got a few sure. things to get off my chest here. Sure. Oh, yes. Lot, yeah, lots of drama going on, lots of craziness going on. Uh, it's um, It's been a hell of a week, right? It's been one wild ride, that's for sure. Oh, yes, from uh, Facebook scandals to political masquerades, America continues to be in turmoil. Are we headed for another world war? Who really knows? I'm not too sure but we're going to get into all those things here tonight, aren't we, my friend? Yes, we will, brother. Uh, let me, I just noticed that the uh, faucet is running. Oh, yeah, so go ahead, go ahead. I will be our, I'll be our B. <laughs> yeah, go, go cut that off. <coughs> all good. And, whoa, he's coughing a lot there. Hopefully he's okay. And that is Kaiser. That's what we will be referring to him uh, today as. I don't think he wants us to use his uh, real name, his government name, that is. That's that's correct. The one that appears on my license. So Kaiser only. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. And before we get into things, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this tonight or not, but I figured I should mention it here. Right. Um, as most of you know by now, Art Bell has passed away. Yeah, sad. What, 77 years old? Yes, yeah, they don't know yet. Old. Why? We don't know yet. Yeah. yeah. Kind of sad. You know, I do something called something called Celebrity Death Pool. Yeah. And I had several discussions about this about people I, I didn't want to add to the Celebrity Death Pool list. Right. And our Bell was one of them. I agree. I mean, he was uh, on late night stakeouts. He was my companion. I hate to say it like that, but it's true. Yeah, I understand. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Some context there, but yes, I understand. Um, Art Bell, as I said, was one of the names I didn't want to include. I already knew he was pretty sick. And oh, did you? I didn't. Yeah, I, I already knew he was pretty sick, and he was not in the best of spirits. And this is where it gets kind of weird. Um, I think I talked about this off air, of course. I had said last year by early mid 2018 it might be the end for him. Oh man. Yeah, I told a few people that and it came true, so now I feel awful. So, you know, I've been kind of weirded out for a while because multiple, you know, I told multiple people and all all these people that I mentioned this to, they were texting me and they were calling me. Right. Yeah, so it's been a strange week for me too. Yeah. It has, it's been, I don't know, like you said earlier, it's, uh, events are, have gone far past what I expected, right, uh, for this, for this, uh, 
for this year. There's been a, he had an old adage called the quickening and I think we're seeing it in action. You know, I, I recall finding his show in the early years when I was trying to get some sleep, you know, trying to get those very much needed vital hours before you go to school there. And I, I recall listening to a show oh, yeah. and getting really no sleep after that. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of how it was, I guess. Yeah, he'll always be a legendary broadcaster. Much respect uh, for all the things he accomplished. And, of course, those around him who also helped make him shine. Oh, that's true. Very true. Um, you, you think about all the characters he introduced into uh, the genre, everyone from Whitley Strieber to Linda Moulton Howe. Hmm. What's that one guy? Uh, I don't know. He had a southern accent. and Terrence McKenna. Oh, right. Just a bunch of people. Yeah. When you look back on it, characters. And, and of course, who could forget? Oh, what's that guy's name that uh, would always tell him that he was going to hell? Oh, man. (laughs) Can't can't forget that guy. And I can't, and I just forgot him. Are you thinking about JC? That's it, JC. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Many, many nights listening to that show. Uh, Terrible that he died at 72 years of age. Oh, was it 72? I thought 77. My fault, man. That's all right. Yeah, 72. And, of course, on Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way. You're correct. At the end, the same day that we were uh, lobbing uh, tomahawks. That's uh, true. With only out of 105 uh, from the reports coming from the Guardian, unlike our media, uh, only uh, 32 hit. The rest of them were intercepted. So the Russians are doing something right. Right. So with that said, goodbye to Mr. Art Bell. Yeah. Great guy. Lived a a good life, however. I'm sure he he enjoyed uh, many years. He he saw a lot more money and and enjoyed um, his career greatly. I mean, he he lived a good life. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, he had another child in his, what, just the last 10 years. Yeah. His little girl. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, he's doing something right. A great guy, and it's it's terrible what happened, but that's that's the cycle of life, my friends. Yes, it is. We all die sometime, and it's sad. Someone's dying, and someone's being born. There, hey, that's the positivity. Another life comes in. It's the way it goes, my friend. And with that said, Kaiser, uh, go ahead and and introduce yourself uh, to the listeners out there. You have a show of your own. I've listened to it a couple times myself, and I'm in. There's some good information being tossed around there. I like it. Yeah, it's uh, I I just started it on uh YouTube, and it's called Sword Point Nine, my old call sign from my Marine Corps days, Call Four days, and a little bit before that, um, uh, in my Army days too. So yeah, it is uh, it's topical. I bring on people that while they may not agree with me politically, I find the spice in life is to talk to people that you may not even agree with, but have a good time. You know, that's the point of life. It's too short. Way too short. Yes. Yeah. Could, can we talk a little bit about your background in, well, your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, I joined the Army at 17. At 20, I joined the Marine Corps. Um, I did a three-year stint in the Army during the Cold War. Uh, Marine Corps, I was in the Gulf War in Asia. Uh, went and uh, served in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. And southern Iraq during that time. Uh, then, uh, Japan, Korea, Thailand, Philippines. 
um, did a rim pack and a west pack people in the naval service will know what I'm talking about. It's, uh, when you do a Western Pacific cruise and then a rim of the Pacific cruise on a ship, I was on the USS Denver, uh, both, both stints. And, uh, I was a military policeman in both. Um, then I went on to, uh, go, go through college. I was a union iron worker while doing so. And, uh, got done with that and went into federal service. Uh, 9-11 happened. I was in Afghanistan October 26th. And, uh, of 2001 and then left that and went to a different federal service and, uh, did investigations here in the U.S., um, theft of, uh, government property basically. And, uh, from there I went on to, uh, immigration and customs enforcement. And uh, from there I started contracting. So. Yeah. And that's where things got hairy. Yeah. It's gotten hairy a few times. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I could only imagine, and of course, will you still be making that making that trip out there again? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm just that, waiting on my. Uh, you still got I the don't... green light? Yeah, oh yeah, I just gotta wait for my clearance to get back. Can Can you tell the audience a little bit about that? Um, well, because I, I think it is important. Yeah, it, is. it, it seems uh, like we are going to. Uh, it, it seems like there's going to be another world war. It quite possibly could kick that way. It just depends. Uh, brinksmanship's a game, not for rookies. And, uh, I, I, well, I don't, I can't remember, really remember your rules on language, so I'll just keep it clean. You could, uh, you could be dirty if you want. It's all right. Well, just terminology, uh, rough terminology from, you know, a man who is old school. I, I admire men, uh, who lead countries whose balls clank when they walk. That's what I refer to it as. And, uh, both Trump and Putin do have that, uh, quality. The problem is Putin is trained KGB and GRU and, uh, from old school, from the same time people forget he was at a Berlin station. In other words, in a hand to hand combat situation, he would hurt, uh, many men. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And then, and then you see the false flags that started in 2013 and, uh, that being that going on in Syria and, uh, the Russians and we helped with our, uh, verification units that went over there to make sure that the Russians did clear out all the chemical warfare. And yet two times the last time people forget a year ago in April, uh, they, uh, said that, yeah, this attack was not done by, uh, Assad after the launch at a, uh, well, what do you call that? The, uh, abandoned airfield. And then, uh, we had the contractors get hit by our troops. Uh, what was it? 200 and some Russian contractors. And, uh, after that you had, um, this, this mess that just went on and, you know, it's still the same people, the white hats from Al Nusra front, which is nothing more than Al Qaeda. And, uh, you know, they're still trying to claim, you know, that was our, are legitimizing of our last attack and Russia and everybody told them, look, that Russia, that's a, Russia's only warm water port outside of Cuba that they can get into reliably for more than six months out of a year. So, you know, there's some issues that there's some issues that Putin, because of the geopolitical uh, way, his country flexes its muscles also. And people forget that our, uh, nuclear shield under the last uh, person who was in 1600 uh, uh that actually is 
decrepit now because there's certain things that weren't done to modernize and keep ourselves good. And Russia has been doing a heavy duty modernization. So this, yeah, this is brinksmanship. When you, when you're, when you, when you're playing Russian roulette and you have all the chambers loaded, it's a pretty good idea not to do it, but you know, we did it, whatever. We'll find out. Yeah. This is a pretty frightening situation. I have to say. Yeah. Well, I don't know about frightening. My thoughts on it is, um, they're, they're very clear. Uh, NBC, nuclear chemical and biological warfare is the one thing that you can 100% protect yourself from through preparedness. You know, prophylactic drugs for biological, chemical for wearing a uh, NBC suit and mask and uh, going into, uh, you know, mop, mop, mop level four. And uh, then you can also, uh, for nuclear warfare, you know, time distance shielding. You know, you get yourself some shielding, i.e. basement, right, bomb right. shelter. Uh, distance, hopefully you're far enough away and time. You're going to have to wait at least 14 days for you can pop your head out of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, what, what's alarming to me is uh, Russia telling its citizens to prepare for a nu- nuclear war. I, that is the part that's uh, a little trippy there. Well, they, they always had a good civil defense and we used to, but when FEMA took over civil defense, it, it stopped being Oh, I can't think of what they used to call it back in the day, but it, it's civil defense, but they had a name for it. And I'm mind dumping right now. It's all right. Uh, but, uh, Channel Rod or Channel Rad or something like that. Yeah, it's Channel Rad. And, uh, we actually disseminated information just like they did. Uh, RT before the attacks were running. Um, it, it's sort of like what they used to do around the time of Red Flag, which is an operation during the Cold War. We would do reforger. And, uh, they would do the same kind of things in the Eastern Bloc, uh, you know, before one of those ops because, you know, it could accidentally go live. And, uh, but we've allowed that to slip too. I mean, you know, as our culture has gotten softer, you know, we, we hard men think up civil defense. Uh, weak men don't think about it and don't talk about it. But there is a good book just so everybody can rest their fears. It's written. It's by Dr. Bruce D. Clayton. And it's called, um, the, uh, uh, Life After Doomsday. And, uh, it's a good book. So that's a good primer for people if they really want to take an interest into looking at it. It's got some factual material in there that I think is worth the read. And it's not a hard book to read. Very nice. And going back to Afghanistan. Yep. And those years. Mm-hmm. I, I recall back in 2001 hearing reports of, of bin Laden being killed by an airstrike and every year you heard a different story. When exactly was he killed in your opinion, my friend? From uh, my time, not there, but uh, when I went over to Iraq, that would have been 05. Um, I went over there and uh, to, to Iraq and I was working with ODA, which is just special forces, you know, whatever. And, uh, the boys there, one of them pulled me to the side and he goes, you know, he died at Tora Bora. And he was one of the people behind the glass, i.e. looking and guiding a Moab coming in. And he said he saw him physically, you know, so I would, I would tend to trust this guy. So, you know, he had no reason to lie to me, you know, and I have no reason to lie about the story. So that, that's my opinion is he died in Tora Bora during the big, uh, where we're dropping daisy cutters and Moabs. And you still recall getting that call that morning of 9-11, don't you? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like it was yesterday. Walk uh, us through that for us. Well, I'm come, I made the big drive back home from the East coast and chilling out and drove all night and just went to sleep, you know, a few hours earlier. And all of a sudden I wake up to a, a crying wife, you know, what's going on? And she goes, well, um, uh, Two towers in New York fell, and uh, I looked at her, and I'm like, huh? And she goes, uh, yeah, and uh, the Pentagon has been hit, and there's still another plane out. And, I, I, you know, I'm not tracking anything she's saying at that point. My phone rings, and I was just taking leave, you know, Federal Service leave. And uh, they said, yep, well, this, that, and the other, and had to go to the Federal Building to take a call. Remember, these are landlines. This wasn't cell phones. People forget cell phones. It's funny. A lot of people are like, why don't you pop pictures of cell phones with right. cell phone and stuff? Mm-hmm. And it's like, because they weren't really there. You know, we had bag phones still. Uh, I think we had the, uh, I can't think of what it was called, the walkie talkie feature cell phones. I can't remember what they were called. No. Uh, were, were Nextel. They, Nextel, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, so anyways, uh, I take the call and I'm like, I'm not coming home, man, uh, or coming back. I'm, I'm home on leave. And they said, well, you're going to be at Kroll, which is in Virginia's training area. And then October 26th, I was in Afghanistan. My goodness. Just like that, right? Yeah. Well, on a foreign land. Yeah. Were, were, were you ever afraid being there? No, it's, look, I, I found something out during the, uh, first Gulf War. I remember all my NCOs and stuff. We all hit there and, uh, we're all laughing, joking, whatever. And, uh, some of the NCOs were like, I don't think we spent enough time training everybody and this, that, and the other, you know, that we should have had more training time. And we trained hard. And, uh, I was like, well, it's going to be what it's going to be in a minute. And all of a sudden, uh, what ended up happening is I realized and found out through experience that it's going to be exactly what it's going to be. And you're going to go. There, there's an old adage that uh, an Australian dude that I worked with once came up with, and I got to give him credit on it. He goes, you can only fuck with the cock you got. And you can only go to war with the with the uh, military you have. And basically, that's what we what you do, you know. So whether you think you're prepared enough, it's going to be how it's going to be. You can, you can affect uh, victory or defeat. You can actually have defeat from you can get a defeat from thinking you have victory and, and vice versa. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, uh, but people who've been in combat will understand that, you know, you just, you just do it, you know, you do it live on both feet and see what happens. I hear you. I just think, my God, during those times, it, I would have just been freaking out. You know, you don't know exactly what's going to happen next, especially, well, out, you, especially out there. No, Holy shit. Don't. I mean, there, there's some there's some crazy stuff you see, and I know I you know yeah you you have to go up a you, lot of stuff. You had your share of wild shit you saw out there, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's some craziness, man. But see, still I, you know I I'm still here. I mean I've lost friends along the way, and right. But I, I mean I've get gotten hurt. You know, it just it's 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 the nature of the beast that you can't you can't run around with a bunch of high velocity projectiles. Trying to occupy the space, time, same time and space that you are trying to occupy. Yes. And you, you know, the, the guests I, I speak to here on this program, especially right. with, with conspiracy angles. Right. Was 9-11 a false flag operation? I have 
uh, a couple different views. Um, and of course it only happened later on when I started thinking that anything's possible and seeing how the government does cover stuff up. Uh, I've even been involved in some cover ups and, uh, the interesting thing that I found is, uh, I, you know, I did research into false flags and a lot of people don't realize false flags started when like pirate ships or ships that were running on letters of mark at the time would put the flag of their, sh of the country's ship they're about to do battle with up on their masthead, get real close to the other ship. And all of a sudden they would, you know, fire upon them. And that was a false flag attack. And, uh, that's basically the the basis of false flag. And yes, I mean, that's happened, I believe, like 9-11. Um, this is just me looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty, and reading stuff. There was Operation Jelly that Israel did where they were art students, and uh, they occupied an entire floor. And there's, if you look that up, you'll see that uh, they had, like, uh, the entire floor they were doing weird stuff on. And, uh, that's where the whole, you know, it was rigged with demolitions came from that, that theory. And, uh, of course people say still doesn't melt from jet fuel, but it does lose its temper. It does lose its strength, tensile strength. Being an iron worker, I would know something about that. And, uh, what I'll say that I, I do believe is that everything, you know, whether it was, I, I do believe planes hit the stuff. I mean, I'm not going to doubt that i hear you yeah but uh there might be something to say just like with oklahoma city and other things uh there might be some truth to uh it having a little help you know that's what i'm that's what i have conspired myself that this didn't exactly happen entirely by accident obviously yeah someone gave them the keys in other words yep keys to the gates of the kingdom isn't that interesting yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's really, what happens when you allow people to have dual citizenship and no real buy-in to a country. So that's my two cents. Yeah, it's it's, it's really crazy once, you know, you talk to different people that work in certain areas and uh, they'll tell you some things, especially on this program. There, there's some folks that I, I can't even bring on here. They don't want to talk about certain things. And some of them don't want to talk about some of the things they really know. Uh, to me personally, it's it's pretty odd, but yeah. Ever since nine eleven, I was just saying this earlier. Ever since nine eleven, just everything has completely been flipped on its head, for better lack of term. You're exactly right. Uh, the National Security Act. Uh, there's one dude that I I follow now a lot, uh, Robert David Still, and I agree with him. Open source intelligence. It's the way to go. It is. It really is. He's he's another great. Great guy. A lot of people dislike him, however, but he's always been pretty straight. He's been a straight shooter with me on and off air. Yeah, he, he seems to be a genuine, the man he is, uh, loaded with experience. Another guy, Steve Pacific. Um, you know, when I, when I listen to some people speak, you know, I'll, I'll be like, wow, okay. Yeah, this guy is on it, you know, and, uh, you know, I can be a fanboy too, you know, that's just my two cents on that, that kind of thing. Oh, yes. And to continue forward here before I, you know, before I go back and forth and before I forget. Right. How do you feel about the whole Facebook scandal going on right now? Well, I mean, Facebook, people forget the CIA Facebook link. Gilman Louie, um, I'm trying to think, um, DARPA, remember, um, 
the internet was first DARPANET. I remember when it was DARPANET because I was using it. And uh, that's, that was a military thing in some colleges. I can't even remember the colleges now. And uh, it was just an agreement thing that we were, you know, it was a way to move message, you know, move information. And then it went live for the public. And what was it, 2005, I remember it really got big, you know. And Facebook, I believe I joined in, oh, I don't know, 2007, 2008, somewhere around there, when it was in its infancy. And it's data mining. As long as you know that all social media is data mining and you deal with it on the real, you keep it off. The worst thing that ever happened are these little uh, portholes in the paradise that people buy called cell phones. They're a tracking unit. You also put everything you uh, have on social media on there. And then all it takes is a Stingray vehicle or you go and buy some Stingray towers. And they have every bit of information that you have on it. So I tell people, buy a simple flip phone. Uh, one that you pay as you go, you go to Walmart, pay $40 for it or whatever, and then top it up for 40 bucks, pay cash only, never use a credit card, although they're probably going to shut that down pretty soon. You're going to have to use credit cards and basically never put somebody's full name or something on there. You just put initials and by the way, have freedom. By the way, that would be great advice for those that work over at Fox. Yeah, probably. I mean, my God, uh, I hate to re-harp on this, but. I always go back and say, I wonder who the hell Eric Bowling was uh, saying his genitalia to. <laughs> Which anchor oh, was wow. it? That's what I'm wondering. But that, that's just yeah. my own sick mind, and I apologize. But it no, is, it's, it's hilarious, though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a visual that I can't get out with as much eye bleach as I'm trying to use right now. Because, holy shit, you would figure <laughs> out of everyone, someone of that stature w- would not jeopardize his career like that. That That's what really screws with my mind. I, I know these people are not exactly portraying who they really are. They're, they're playing, they're playing, it's a gimmick on TV. A lot of people don't realize that, but it's just, it, it's still kind of a, a mind fuck to me that these people would really jeopardize their careers the way they did. Well, here's the thing. Uh, everybody knew that uh, Jack Kennedy was putting his little ding-a-ling and everything around him. Right, right. And the same with Clinton, and yet during that time, the that, media was that. willing participants in it. That's true. And we don't know what the truth is about the last uh, person that held 1600 uh, Pennsylvania. So I'm, I'm not going to get into the last guy because, you know, he almost wrecked this nation, in my opinion. Just my opinion. I'm the foremost expert of my opinion. And if people disagree, that's fine. But... uh you know, I witnessed uh, what he was allowing to be done in 2009 after he took office in Iraq and uh, saw the human trafficking, and it was all being done under the guise of aid for Africa. And, yeah, human trafficking is also slavery, and that's what I'm talking about. There's so that. much There's so much still going on. Well, now they've – shoot, with his presidency and under the leadership of – Madam State Department Director, uh, we are, we're seeing that the slave mark, markets are reopened in Libya. That's where it was always a hubbub. People forget when you re- see the Marine Corps hymn from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, we were in Libya the first time with the Marine Corps under Jefferson because of white slavery. You know, the, the, uh, uh, slavers and I can't think of the guy's name now. He, he was there, uh, their boss man in Tripoli, uh, he daggone was 
the, the, the slave markets were alive and well in Libya, and it got shut down after the internet time. So, you know, history doesn't repeat, it rhymes. You just reminded me. Always, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just said it's always under inept uh, people that also have, uh, you know, they want to change the world, rule the world, whatever. I mean, and, and that, that's what we got. You know, we bought we bought the ticket. We take the ride. By the way, you just reminded me of Abu Ghraib. Do you yeah. remember that prison site? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, Abu Ghraib was a prison site just like Haditha Dam. Uh, both of them are in Iraq. Are there uh, are there others that we don't know about? Oh yeah, there's black sites. All black over. sites, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what oh, rendition my. was all about. Um, yeah, Abu Ghraib. Um, there was a lot of uh, muff fake on that one. I really don't want to get in depth on this, but yeah, yeah it, it's still, it was yeah, it was a psyop in a lot of ways because the media didn't like uh, Bush Jr. You know, and and I didn't really mind him until his second term, I guess, is when I think he started to go wrong. Um, he was a nice guy that tried to do what was right, and you know, but he was using his moral compass too much, and people took advantage of that, in my opinion. People really loved Bush during that time, I, I recall, and now people are, are, you know, they say he's a piece of shit now. Yeah, I don't they, know they about trash him. Shit. I, well, I heard a lot of people, you know. Oh, I know, I know, yeah. but I don't know so much about a piece of shit. I wouldn't. I think he was. Yeah, they say that, but that's not my opinion. Of course, I wouldn't say that about anyone, really. Right. I, I, I think, I think he was misled, and I believe that uh, the same is with uh, Trump, and I right now, and you know, he. I don't think either of them had malice, but they also didn't. Uh, I don't know. They just didn't exert the influence they should have exerted. And that's just my two cents. I mean, I could be totally wrong. Bush may have had all kinds of diabolical thoughts. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? We, don't, we, don't, I, we weren't there, so it's hard to say. I can't look in the man's soul. You know, I can't look in Pootie Poot's eyes and find a, a good man. You know, I even if I meet him, you know, somebody can appear to be a good dude and you find out later, you know. Yeah. They're rocked. You know, you don't know. My goodness, yes. And uh, speaking of Donald Trump, he's also taking many shots, of course, many, many shots at uh, Donald Trump. Uh, lots of people jumping off the bandwagon, lots of people staying on the bandwagon. You know, my only really big concern with him from uh, many, many years ago and recently, really, a couple years back, uh, right. his whole affiliation with someone like Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. And of, well, of course, of, of course, the other gentleman uh, who I've talked about on this program before, Felix Sater, okay, um, Russian-born businessman, okay. who of course did a stint in prison uh, for stabbing a man in the face with a margarita glass. Oh, that's hey, that's. I want to drink had, with that guy. Yeah, hey, you know what? He uh, <laughs> oh my he showed God. some class with that move. I gotta give him. Oh you know, my I mean, goodness. Some, that's some prison shit, right? I there, mean, man. It, it, well, he kept it fancy <laughs> a margarita glass. You know, that's. That's pretty top top talent there, I, I would say. But yeah, these folks though, yeah, I I don't know. That's the only thing I, I would distance myself from. Yeah, I. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah, it, it, it's not exactly. a good picture. It's not a good picture. Yeah. Oh, it lasts forever. That's the thing. A picture. I used to have this uh, saying. You know, a picture is a is a time capsule. And uh, I've been capturing a lot of pictures with people that 
I may have thought were decent folks at one time, and all of a sudden they turn out to be dirtbags. Are you referring to that one video and photo well, that I, I – Huh? The the more recent one? Uh, well, that's just one including. Uh, I mean, you know, one of many. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, mean, okay. in 2011, the mayor from that same town, I bodyguarded uh, in Afghanistan. And I thought him, uh, you know, a hell fellow well met. And he's turned out to be quite a uh, quite a different human being than he portrayed himself. So, you know, I never would have seen that one coming. I actually, he actually had, had me uh, uh, believing, you know, he was the head of uh, John Edwards' campaign. And I actually thought highly of him after I'd, you know, had him as my client. And, uh, you know, he proved out later in life that, you know, he was, you know, a part of the people that I like to call, you know, they practice jackassery or fuckery. And that's what he, he's proven it out. And of course, just being around other people, when you do bodyguarding, uh, you will, uh, have that happen. You know, you might think one thing about somebody and I had a policy and still do that once somebody's proven themselves to be that, I'll never work with them again, but you can't take those snapshots out of life. Yeah. You know, you, you're there. You were there for this or that. It matters not. You you don't get to control the narrative when somebody wants. It's 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 the same way. Solinsky tactics. Uh, the federal government uses it all the time. If you see somebody getting arrested and they're going up on federal charges, the first thing they do, the FBI, deep state, whatever you want to call it, uh, they're, they're going to vilify you. Is like you know, they, they'll say they found cheese pizza on your computer that they might have even put on there. Uh, they will vilify you and it will make it easier to get a conviction out of you because they've already tainted the jury pool. What do you think of all the rumblings with uh, Stormy Daniels, the lawyer, uh, Michael Cohen? What do you make of all these things going on right now? Well, What's your opinion on that? My opinion simple. None of us thought that uh, Trump was a choir boy. Of course not. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he, he was always known as a flander. Same thing with Bill Clinton. You know, except Bill Clinton's one error was he allowed Hillary to run the bimbo's eruption thing that tried to make him seem like he was perfect during that time when he wasn't. And uh, the cover-ups always come back to the cover-ups. And the thing about Stormy Daniels thing and the uh, Cohen uh, raid, uh, they're just digging into his personal life. You know, what billionaire is not going to say, hey, my lawyer over here, you handle this stuff when it breaks out. And if it breaks out so it does, I don't get much publicity, give them a couple dollars to shut their mouth. And, you know, it worked. And and now they're just dredging up crap. And, you know, she's just a high-priced hooker, you know. And he had the money to pay for. You know, that's that's my two cents. You know, if a guy wants to dingle his dangle somewhere and uh, schlong some girl on this, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, you know, it's going to come out. It's my old... It's my old Creo, man. You've seen it on my page. I just think he uh, should have just admitted to it. Who, who, you know, cares? It's it's a fun story. But then again, he's the president, so I could, you know, I see well, how that ends up being used against you, as it is now. Well, well, here's the thing. I mean, he, he paid the girl to keep her mouth shut, and she was not honorable. And then you look at somebody who's – when you look at who's doing the investigation and the tactics they use, it's the same crap that they did in – uh. Boston under Whitey Bulger, where four innocent men were sent to prison, two of them died in prison, and then it got turned around, and the U.S. government, i.e., us taxpayers, had to pay for these people, you know, for them to uh, 
get paid back from the losing their freedom and two of them losing their lives. And uh, it was a Dunner, Mueller, and, and Weinstein. And that's a fact. Being in, being under the public eye is just awful. Everybody is, though, man. I mean, think about awful. Think about how many viral videos. Those cell phones with cameras, they capture everything. Yeah. As I used to Good tell point. people when I trained people, law enforcement-wise, and even different things, uh, I would say, look, you have to assume you're being caught on video everywhere you go. Yeah. And conduct yourself in that manner. And even in that video, you've seen the video, the, the daggone video, you can tell I'm doing my job. But somebody could say, oh, no, this, that, and the other. So, you know, just it is what it is, man. You just accept the narrative that other people are going to give you. And you, I, I call something, I got something I call agree and amplify. If somebody calls you, you know, something, you don't just, you know, agree, you amplify on it. You know, if just for instance, if somebody calls you a neo-Nazi, you say, no, I'm an ardent Nazi. Now let's have a conversation. You should see how many people you, you'll back up saying that. And uh, then you actually have a decent conversation with the idiot. Oh, yes. And, of course, that brings me to the last controversial issue. Uh, you know, not really an issue, but the whole uh, P-tape that allegedly exists. Um, I've never really gone down that route. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what it would take for me to go down that route, but... Uh, you know, maybe it was a bored uh, situation. Maybe it was like uh, Charlie Sheen. He's, yeah, who knows? Who I mean, really Charlie's... knows? I don't know what to say about any of this, to be honest with you. <laughs> but just the fact that that is out there in any in any way is, is just holy shit. We live in a weird time. Hey, it's a it's a it's a funky world with funky people. Whatever and... you like, right? Whatever you want to get down into. You know. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, that's degenerate crap to me. But you know. I'm also not out there trying to troll for men, you know, so. Of course, of course. You know, that, but that doesn't mean that if somebody does that, you know, I'm going to instantly think they're, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know? whatever floats your boat, I guess, you know. I guess, yeah, yeah. but I'm kind of libertarian that way, but I also don't want to hang with them, you know, every day, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, it, biases, everybody's got their own preferences and biases. And as long as people, see, that used to be in the 80s. How it was. Everybody may have their own preferences and biases, but you just don't didn't act like a, a jerk to everybody because of it. And you just let their them live their lives, and you minded your own business. And that's my two cents on that one, man. I mean, I hear you. I mean, it's it's a it's a bad situation. Just like a Oscar De La Hoya. I'm not sure if you are a boxing fan of any nature, past or present, but. You know, he got involved with the cocaine and the strippers, and there are some bad photos taken of him that will be just forever out there on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like the sweet science, uh, boxing. Oh, you like boxing? Also, okay. Yeah, also the MMA guy. I, well, okay. uh, why am I mind dumping his name right now? But it, he's from, uh, oh, my land, uh, I think Ireland. And, oh, you're uh, a Conor McGregor fan. McGregor, yeah, yeah. Okay. His little stint where he did that little outbreak at the uh, in New York, I believe oh, it was, yes. at that little match. Is, is he on cocaine? Is that what he's doing? I don't know. That man. aggression is, is it came out of nowhere after he got all the fame and the money. The, the you could you could tell the aggression was just starting to come out. There's rumors that have been you know spreading out there about uh, certain drug use. I'm not going to put it past him. I, I would say this, man, um, when we can 
the only measure of control that we can exercise in the U.S., and we can't do it with um, any certitude uh, overseas, and I'm talking about drugs here because you brought it up. Uh, oh, yeah, let's get into I, that. Thanks for reminding me. Yes, lots of when, opium. Oh, yeah, the, the opium from Afghanistan. Yeah, let's get you know. into that. Thank you. Yeah, not a problem. Um, look at our opiate crisis, right? And you look at how it comes in through Mexico and also through um, Canada, northern border, mm -hmm. um, and along with the meth and everything. Look, we have – until we figure a way to have the idiots that want to smoke or snort or inject themselves or pop pills and the 20% of them that provide these uh, gangs their ability to bring it in – and I'm going to go somewhere with this, so I hope you don't mind. I'm going a route. Go ahead. Go ahead. Once once we do that, then then maybe it'll stop. Uh, you know, I don't do it, but if somebody else does, I, I don't care. I mean, it's just more breath for me once they die. You know, I don't care. Uh, I'm pretty libertarian that way, too. Uh, but, but until we actually fix that, then we have to exert a measure of control. And I'm not stupid enough to think we had our troops guarding the poppy fields. They weren't guarding grapes over there. And uh, do I believe that that stuff was harvested and taken out and even taken out by, um, I wouldn't say our military, but government agencies? Oh, hell yeah. Because you can't, I know the amount of weight that immigration and customs or customs and everything on the borders rake in and what the police catch on the streets and yet we still have the 20% staying, maintaining the ability to get their little high on. And it's being fed from somewhere, and we can talk about Menia, Arkansas. I mean, that goes back to Clinton, too, and Bush Sr. So don't, don't everybody think, don't anybody out there think that I'm not an equal opportunity hater on both sides. Uh, I respected Bush Sr. only because he got my happy ass out of the first Gulf War in one piece. We could even go further back, however, yeah. and bring up Iran-Contra in the 1980s yeah. uh, with the, the coke and, and the gun trafficking and what else was going on. We don't even know. But, you know, yeah. I've, I've talked about this on the program about Iran-Contra. I even interviewed, yeah. I believe it was Freeway Ricky Ross, the original drug dealer. Um, I interviewed him many moons ago, and I try to get a hold of him, but I think he's in trouble, by the way, still. Well, you know, uh, Iran-Contra goes back to Bush Sr. Uh, remember, he, people forget the kind, kindly, gentle George um, was the head of the CIA. You don't, And he was shot down three times in the Navy uh, as a fighter pilot in the, in the Pacific. There's video you can actually find of him getting shot down. And getting rescued. Um, this is fact. You can find this. So he he's he was not the meek, mild uh, little guy that they old man that they puppeteered us with. And then you can go back to Vietnam under Johnson, where Air America was bringing back you know opium, heroin. They were bringing back um, uh, tie sticks, uh, marijuana, right, and, right, and and stuff. I mean, we, we can go back to every administration and find. You know, America, before the World War II, uh, our money was made out of hemp, which was, you know, marijuana. Uh, farmers cultivated hemp and, uh, you know, ropes, everything. Yeah. And then we decided to have this war that I think, you know, if, if you could legalize a lot of stuff, tax it, 
I'm not a fan. I mean, I don't want to ever see my son do it. I tried it one. Look, I tried marijuana one time when I was 14. It put me to sleep. It wasn't your thing. And yeah, it just didn't yeah, catch. I hear you. You know, it didn't catch me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, if it was legal, taxed and, you know, we may not be having the problems, but I say that, but I also recognize the reality that the opium ec- epidemic is a lot of it prescription drugs, the opioid epidemic. And, um, you know, you, we had a cop in Columbus just two days ago that was, I don't know how fentanyl is coming, if it's in liquid form or in powder form here uh, that I'm talking about on this specific case. But he had those cheap purple gloves on that they're issuing out because they're so biodegradable. And uh, the thing about it is it went right through the gloves and he had to get administered uh, Narcan. Oh, wow. Or he would have died. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Wow. He, from skin absorption. So, I mean, th- these are the realities on the street. And, uh, you know, I, I, I check stuff. I keep an eye on everything. You know, I think you know that. I, I try to keep my pulse yeah. on this hat. Yeah, we, we talk. So, we talk. Yeah. I, I, you know, we, we have these conversations. We've had some, we've had some uh, really good conversations off the air. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoy conversations with you. I, as I told you, you have a very uh, genial uh, even flow. I, li- I enjoy listening to your programs. Uh, oh, thank you. Honestly, friend. it's, it's, it's an even kill. It's kind of art bellish. You know, I, I think I told you that when we first started talking a while back, you know, it's just, uh, you let the show flow naturally and, uh, you'll discover stuff during your shows that I don't think another interviewer would have gotten out of people. And a lot of times when I take notes, I immediately put them aside because I never really know where this show's going, to be honest with you. The conversation goes from one place to another, and it's like, how do you prepare for that? I, you got to let it happen. It's just yeah. like interviewing somebody as a as a cop. Or Very organic. Working, yeah, well, interviewing somebody as a cop or interviewing uh, somebody you're trying to get intel out of. Uh, you just let them do the talking, and then uh, they're going to tell you everything, and they will. Unless they're smart and they take the fifth or say, <laughs> yes. I need a lawyer. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm being very frank with you. I mean, that's. I appreciate you know, it. Yes. The way it is. Right. You know? You're a real straight shooter. I try. And I appreciate know? that about you. Yeah. And, and so are you. You seem to be awesome. Thank you. And your time in Afghanistan, did you ever see any planes leaving with any bundles? <laughs> uh I've seen planes leave with a lot of things. So ah, okay. Uh, we could leave it at yeah. that. Well, no, I'm, you know. I'm, well, in I'm, terms of detail, you know. Yeah, I'm, with detail, yeah. Um, I've seen some detailed stuff that is covered up. Uh, that story's out there. Uh, I don't really want to get into uh, yeah, we don't have the to. one particular it's one. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen cover-ups in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, I've seen cover-ups here at home, guys. Um, I, I, I'm trying to there, – there, I'm sure I will – after this last job, uh, I think we'll have a, a, a lot more to talk about because it will be my last job. You know, I'm kind of worried about that. I kind of don't want you to go out there. Oh, I, it's it's what I do. Man. You'll be all right or what? You think oh, so? Yeah. Oh, It'll yeah. be cool? Oh, yeah. I'm all always right. good with what I do. You know, it's just – it's it's a it's a life, man. You can only live it, right? Oh yeah. I, I do you. want to show for a book though that I read when I was a child. And the reason why I'm saying that it's tongue firmly in cheek. 
I can't remember the name of the author. I think his last name was Gerson. But uh, I've got the book here. It's the only thing I ever stole in my life, and I did steal it. I stole it from the library at uh, my school. Ah. And I was uh, 14 years old, and I knew what I wanted to do because of this book. It was called Sad Swashbuckler. It was the life of William Walker. And I read that book, and I'm like, wow, uh, this is the way I want to do it. I want to be president of Nicaragua one day. Yeah, inspired you. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and cool. I'm, you know, I'm trailer trash. I came from the trailer. I didn't realize uh, I'd own my own home. I'd have a grown son that's doing well. I have a beautiful wife. I'd never thought I'd go to college. Um, you know, I, I just took a path. Yeah. And my feet moved down that path. And it's been a good time, man. I mean, I, I can't hate. I hear you. Yeah. You've, you've really lived life, more life than a lot of people would. Uh, many things that you're not even covering here that we've talked about. But, I, you know, I understand the reason for that. Well, just because I got a clearance coming up. <laughs> if yeah. we would have done this probably a month or two back, I would have been, you know, I like I said, this will be my last tour. And But hopefully the people are enjoying it. I mean, I'm not trying to be vague because I'm a jerk. It's just I, I'm no, going okay. through a clearance process again. No, I think people are into it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm jamming to it. I mean, I always enjoy our conversations, and I w- I really want to be more forthcoming on several things, but I just have the sort of Damocles. You know, I know what I can and can't say in the open spirit. Even on my program, I've yeah, edited it way down. Yeah, I, I I could read that. There's certain things that you and the other gentleman that joins you on the program uh, on and off there, or I should say he's a reoccurring character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like him, too. He's good. I, I could tell you guys sort of, uh, you know, walk on eggshells a little bit. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, well, we're still active players. When we talk about the deep state, we know what we're talking about. Um, you know, that that's the thing I had a problem with QAnon about is they ask too many questions, and then you have people like Corsi and some is other that, people here on the is, internet. Is all of that legit, or is this another LARPer? It, well, it's <laughs> – what it is is the questions are there, but then it's up to interpretation. And you can go to any QAnon post and go to every one of them, and unless the one came out after another guy's one came out, you're going to get different answers. And you can tell if all of a sudden when you follow them, just looking at them, just cursory, uh, you'll see who's following what QAnon guy. And, of course, he's, it's like this. Any even a blind man's going to get a nut. One, a blind squirrel's going to get a nut once in a while. And uh, that's my two cents on QAnon. A broken clock is right twice a day. There you go. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my so. goodness. By the way, I, I saw Mr. Alex Jones today uh, by random, not not by choice. But he was crying today. Well, fake crying. It was kind of repulsive. Well, you know, AJ is, is a unique individual, I think. His uh, overacting was just... It was just driving me crazy. I couldn't take it anymore, but it was it was a good laugh, though. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, I remember Bill Clinton uh, one time, uh, within one step, Rush Limbaugh broke it down back when he had his show. And it was at uh, Brown's funeral where the uh, Commerce Secretary, I think it was, I can't think of his first name, black guy, uh, his plane crashed, and even that one's suspicious. Uh, but he's laughing and yucking it up. And all of a sudden he saw a camera and within a step and a half, there was a tear coming down his cheek. So, I mean, you know, everybody, I think, you know, uh, acts on a, on a certain level. Um, you know, we all have roles we have to do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the role that I 
always will do is I'll always be straight and forthcoming. Uh, but, uh, also if I'm getting back to what I do, um, you know, I have to put a certain facade, a certain mystique to it. Yeah. I hear you. And, uh, it doesn't mean that I want to, you know, uh, I've had to lie for this government, um, done a lot of things I'm not real proud of. Um, but I'm, I don't do it anymore. I will not lie for the government anymore. And, uh, it's just my choice. You know, it's, it, I will take the decision that I take and the ramifications that will come from it, you know, just being very frank with you. Yeah. You're being real, which I appreciate. And one thing I did want to mention was I'm very fascinated with, with the footage that I see on YouTube of those, uh, those pirates. Yeah. Those, those, those are, those are great videos, by the way. Yeah. And that's a job that you could have done, right? Oh, yeah. Like you could oh, apply yeah. and you could have got that gig, right? Oh yeah. Anti piracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've done that. Oh, you've done that before. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. Oh shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a fun gig. I don't know about that. It, it's, it's not very fun. Yeah. I mean, I well, want to shoot at people trying to hijack a boat. I think that's pretty exciting. But, but a lot of it you don't get. <laughs> or it's not that. It's not I that. Have a friend of mine, mm-hmm. I have a friend of mine, Hannes Fjolringer. Uh, he's, uh, from, uh, Austria. Great dude. And I gave him my advice. I was going to run ops for him. And, uh, I told him, I said, this is during the time of the Arab Spring. I was like, you have your gun license to bring your guns in. I said, but you go on your first shipment because you don't know what you're going to be looking at in Egypt. And you try to get a fill talking to him. He ended up going to prison for, I think, close to four or five years. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, because he, brought, he decided to take his own decision along with a German fellow, Frank. And, uh, they flew in with bolt action, um, Mosin Nagants that he had hyped up while he was in Austria. And they were good running guns. I mean, you know, I, I, we talked a lot. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. And he didn't take my advice. So they flew into Cairo airport. Uh, him and Frank were both arrested. They had ammunition and the rifles and he had import licenses for him because he was doing any piracy. And the reason why people say, why are you using Molson Nagants? Because it'll range in AK. The five point, or I'm sorry, the 7.62 by 54 R round. And if it's coming out of an accurized gun, you will put rounds on target, even from a boat at a greater distance than an AK. And, uh, Anyways, so he got arrested for it and spent time in prison, and he wrote a book about his experience afterwards. But he had smuggled – he had a, a, his wife smuggle a phone or two into him while he was in prison. Oh, shit. I think two of them. Yeah, he called me every time he'd get one, and he'd tell me what was going on. I mean, he was being – it was a bad life for him in prison. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so that – I mean, these are the realities of the game. You know, you buy the ticket, you take the ride. Yeah, that sounds like like a good guy to talk to. Oh, he's a great dude. Great dude. Great dude. I'll hook you up with him. Uh he speaks very good English too. I mean, very fluent. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that'd be fun to bring him on. He he just uh, already I could tell he would be just an interesting person just to talk to in general. Oh, yeah, he's, his his pers- his perspective must be pretty unique in in certain ways. I could I'm sure. Oh, he he's like I said, he's a phenomenal human being. That's the cool thing. I will tell you this. This is the blessing I've had. Uh, both with mentors, people that have helped guide me because I'm a bastard. I never had a father. Um, uh, me and my twin sister, we, we didn't ever know our father. And so the thing is, I've always had good mentors. And even if stuff was crappy or something was going on, 
there was always good men that I was serving next to, to the right or left, and the same with women. Uh, you know, because as a military policeman, women have a vital role as military police women. And, you know, I don't want to put my hands down some female's pants searching her. I would rather have a female do it. I mean, I can do that if I have to. <laughs> yes. But it's not my number one choice. Right. And so there is a reality. And I also don't want to deal with kids. So if there's a female to take care of the kids, you know, in a, in a situation, I'm good with that. You know, you use people for their strengths, not for their weaknesses. And, uh, that, that's my two cents on, on that whole issue there. But like I said, yeah, there, there is a, uh, there's a good thing that comes from living the life I've led is that, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to have run across nothing but, uh, and, and then the other thing, I think we talked about this. I'm going, I will bring up a past conversation because I believe we talked. Go ahead. It's cool. I said, uh, I do this job not because, you know, it's sort of like the priesthood. It's a calling. And the thing that I like about it is that you're either in the game or you're not. And if you're not in the game, don't get back into it. Uh, you have to have your head completely 100% into it. And if you can't do that, then stay out of it. And the other thing is uh, it's an addiction. Uh, it is an adrenaline addiction. And it's boring. 99% of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time is boring. No action, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you're just cheating them. You know, you're doing a job. Mm -hmm. But that... Zero zero point zero one percent is uh it's like somebody told me when my son was born. I was not gonna be in the room when he was born, you know. I was like, yeah, I'll stay outside and smoke cigarettes till he's born. And my guy's like, There's no drug that will give you the high that you will experience when your son is born. And and it was a miracle in action, you know, and it's and it was very true. And there's no drug that will give you the high of there's no roller coaster, no horror movie. Uh, there, nothing will give you the high of uh, having uh, high, high speed projectiles flying in your direction, your general direction, and you having to spit some back out. So, you know, I, that's just the reality, and it is an addiction. And I will be very frank with you on that. You know, very candid. Oh yeah, you're a wild man. No, you, you, you got to be to a certain extent. Ah, uh, uh, you know me. I'm a regular dude. Well, yeah, I know. I know what you mean, but I'm saying you, you. There, there has to be that side of you where you're, you're, you're a badass. No, you kind of are. You kind of are to throw yourself out there. I, I don't think so. I'm just stupid. You think I mean, you're stupid? honestly, <laughs> it's, it's my addiction. It's, it's. I'm not making no justification. You know, I hear it's, you. it's no yeah. different than if I was an alcoholic or a drug addict. You know, it, it is my drug. It's your high. It's my high. I hear you. Yeah. And, it, and it's nothing that I'm proud of. It's, it's just been a course in my life and, and it's actually a normalcy. And I, I've been fortunate that, you know, uh, I've been fortunate. I, I don't want to get into a it, lot. Of, yeah. But yeah. I'm very fortunate. You have, uh, going back to another conversation, I won't, well, I won't give the details, but yeah, um, you are very fortunate. Like you've mentioned, you have lost a lot of close friends. So. Oh yeah. And that's why one thing I look, I would love to rehash one story because it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's out there. People will know about it. Um, uh, it's a truth. It's, it's the stone cold truth. And, but after I did that, I had a, a friend of mine and, uh, he blew his brains out. And, uh, so that's why I, that's the only reason why I will probably never talk about that one again. Yeah. For good reason too, you know, that's. Yeah. That's uh, well, there's still relive. people alive from that, and uh, you've probably seen them comment on my stuff, man. That's oh, yeah. Yeah. I recall. Yeah. 
but yeah, my friend, it's, it's, it's been a good talk here. We are drawing near the end here. Oh, but there, you know, there's a few things I, I did want to go over really quickly here cool. and uh, tell me more. Well, tell the audience more about your show. That That's something we didn't really talk too deeply upon. Um, when, when do you do your shows anyways? Do you still have, uh, maybe like a schedule going on yet or, or are you still doing them, you know, at random? Yeah, I'm trying to do them at random just to mix it up. Um, uh, of course, if they go on YouTube to, you know, all lowercase sword point nine spelled out S W O R D P O I N T in the numeral nine, um, you'll find, uh, I'll talk about, I try to be topical, but I also am trying to have fun. You know, I've had, a guy on who's a good friend of mine and he, he's a, a Bigfoot guy and, uh, met him a long time ago. And, uh, I try to have people on when I can, but it's as, as Michael can attest to, it's hard to get people lined up a lot. And, uh, I, I try to keep topical on things I think are of social import, but I also don't want to, I'm trying to keep it to that sweet 20 minute era if I don't have somebody else with me because I've went on some long ones. And uh, you can tell that it's hard to do it when you're doing it by yourself. So I'm sure you can attest to that, Michael. It is really, it is really hard because then it's like you're talking to yourself, and, and you kind of feel like you're going crazy in a way because you, mm-hmm. you kind of need someone there to be to, to to have any kind of reaction to towards what you're saying. You need someone uh, to play that role. Yeah, the point of my show is just to get information out through my eyes as I see it for my son as kind of a time capsule i don't know why i started doing it but it's been that way um that's why i intended to do it this way i also will cover stuff that i know on you know like cert community emergency uh response training uh big advocate for people uh getting into civil defense you can do that through fema you can take online correspondence courses um I do suggest people to get more involved in their government and, and volunteer capacity. Uh, no matter how, I think everybody should be involved some way in your community. And uh, um, I think that's the source of what's good and what has made America good. And, um, you know, and just basic stuff, man. I mean, you know, I may come from a right-leaning perspective, a heavy right-leaning perspective, but I also don't dismiss those from other perspectives. I just yeah, you are open minded. Uh, open minded. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. no problem. No problem. Yeah, I'm, I try to be. I mean, you know, there there comes a time when I try not to have my mind so open that my brain will fall out. <laughs> right. Uh, and I notice that that's a lot of people are doing that right now. And the media, I believe, is and social media also uh, is a big progenitor of trying to keep people's minds so open that they, they really aren't, aren't they're autom, autonomous. Autom, autom, it's too much. It, it yeah. really is. It's a, it's a sensory overload. In other yes. words, it really is. And no matter what side you, you are on, essentially we're all seeing the same things. We're all being fed. God knows what, to be honest, because we really it's don't, a, we really can't decipher a hundred percent down the line. What is, uh, 100% accurate, to be honest with you. Right. It's a really weird dystopia. It and really is. I, it's, the, it's part of the conundrum. It is. It is. I never dreamed, you know, in the 80s, you know, I never dreamed I'd see 30. Shoot, I'm closing in on 50 now. And uh, um, it, it just kind of kind of cool, kind of freaky. Uh, 
but it's also, I think when we went to the 24 hour news cycle, and I'm talking about CNN was the first to really broach that. Uh, when we went to that, we lost something. Uh, fact checking is out the window. Uh, and, and there's always a narrative pushed. Oh yeah. And that's a problem. Journalism is just completely bastardized here. Oh yeah. They've taken the entire journalistic ethics and thrown them out the window in the uh, pursuit of Depeche Mode, fast fashion. And, uh, that's what's going on. And, and it's pretty clear to see, in my opinion. I can't disagree with you on that one. Everyone out there is pushing a narrative. And uh, no one knows who's really telling the truth. It's a very strange time that we do live in here in 2018. And I see things only getting worse, to be honest with you. Yeah, I do too. Unfortunately, I, I mean, I hate to be a downer here, but I don't know. I, I just, I'm a little bit jaded, to be honest with you. I have to agree with you, but I will tell you I do see positivity. Um, you have to remember, uh, civil, nice societies make soft people. And then those soft people usually are conquered, and then hard men arise again, and society will go through these ebbs and flows. The cycle. And uh, yeah, it's cyclical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I do see positivity coming. I mean, I look at the uh, Generation Z, and I've met a lot of those young men, and I've seen a lot of these young men in combat too. And uh, you know, th there is still. A place for hard men, rough men. Remember Orwell's phrase, you know, rough men stand ready to do violence for those who can't do it for themselves. Yeah, for themselves, right. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. My dad played that before. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, interesting that you'd bring that up. Hmm. Because he did like that one. It's a good quote. It really so. is. So, uh, before I do let you go, got to get your thoughts on the afterlife. Okay. What well, are, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I've never really asked you about that off air. Okay. And that's fine. I'll get into it. Um, I, I believe in respect for my ancestors in, in a pagan way, but I'm also a Christian. So I have a dual belief system and I do, you know, I believe in Christ. Uh, you know, some people will call me, you know, Christ cuck, whatever. Uh, but I'm also, you know, I believe in respect and re reverence for your ancestors. And that's more pagan too. So, you know, um, that's just my own little blending of it. But in the end, I, I believe that, you know, I'll be judged by, uh, an actual monotheistic God, which is God. And I believe that the only way to have an afterlife that's worth something is to accept Christ. But that's my own two cents. I'm not pushing that on anybody. I'm just, you asked me and I answered very frankly. Yeah, very nice, very nice. So once again, thank you very much for being a part of the program. It's always an honor and, and pleasure to talk to you on air and off. Hey, same here, brother. I enjoy it too. You're you're a hell fellow well met. Thank you. Really appreciate that. And I'm sure lots of people enjoyed you being on the program. I'll have to bring you on uh, every now and then here on the program. Oh, that sounds great, Michael. We'll, we'll have a good time. Oh, yes. Oh, so, oh, yeah. but before you go, go ahead and, and plug anything you want. The floor is yours, my friend. The only plug I have is, look, I've got only 92 people on my YouTube stream. If you want to come, you're welcome to. But honestly, I'm comfy with a small number. Uh, I, If they want to listen, it, you know, like, you know, whatever, I don't care. Uh, it's for my son, and it's nothing more than a time capsule. And if you can accept it, 
as that, then, you know, that's, if that's something you think would interest you, then please feel free to join in on the fun of Kaiser's Castle. Very nice. Well, once again, thank you. And I'll talk to you on the flip side. Yes, you will. God bless, brother. All right. God bless. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. And that was Kaiser. Great guy. Great guest. Also, please remember, if you have any funny impressions of myself or other listeners, you can send that in at michaelendofdays at gmail.com. Or if you have any comments or concerns, questions, send those in. And, of course, if you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. If you enjoy the program and want to help fund this project, go to michaeldeacon.com and click that Donate button. This program completely depends on its listeners. That means you sitting there and listening. Go ahead and share this program with your friends and family. Oh, yeah. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, if I just see it, it's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. Oh, Granny. I like Granny. I'm going to keep you real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. That's what I want. Just Justin Smith. He's down there. You have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Introducing the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, motherfucker? Flawless victory.